Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold! Coming to the ring, from parts unknown, at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Pickaloaf and Dr. Zong! Welcome everybody to Silva and Gold. Back in your ear holes once again is the Loaf and Doctor Zah. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Were you just making like some like whistly type noises during the show, during the song? I'm then? drinking some A and W root beer, and I was playing the jug. Oh, okay. I was I was making sure that wasn't something fucked up on my side. No, it was like Briscoe Darlin on uh, Andy Griffith show. I can make all kinds of musical instrument sounds come out of this jug. We're having a hoedown. Uh, this week we're doing some drunk riders. Uh, we have uh, Where the Buffalo Roam from 1980 uh, about Mr. Hunter S. Thompson. And um, Tales of Ordinary Madness. Ben Gazzara doing his, uh, his what is his name in the movie? Charles Serking or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Charles Bukowski. Charles Bukowski. Yep. So we'll get into those soon. What would um, you pick? I need this. Probably know how you are already, seeing as we've just talked for about an hour and a half. But how I don't are you, sir? Any of that? Um, I'm uh, I'm fighting whatever. If this is a sinus infection, Ugh. I seem like like um, when I was recording Gentleman's Guide or Talk Without Rhythm, while I'm sitting here and talking, I feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then when I stand up and, you know, I'll, I'll feel like shit. And, like, I'll have, like, one nostril that if I breathe through it, just – it's almost like a burning sensation. Uh, so I don't know what's going – I don't like going to the doctor. I don't either. Nah, fuck that shit. Especially, especially for, 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 like, snotty-type t- stuff because you go in there. Do. Yeah, they fuck it. They look inside your nose. And they give you antibiotics, which I never end up taking anyway. Yeah, you don't want to take them because they're if if it's an infection, if it is a sinus infection, antibiotic would work. But I have a feeling that it's just a really bad cold. Yeah, and I'm just sick, and so it's gonna it 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 will pass. I mean, you know, but goddamn, all good things pass. That's what they say. Um. Had a had a eh, week myself. Uh, lots of fucking work. We're so shorthanded at work right now that people are. Uh, they've they've told us so. Apple's pretty strict about trying to avoid overtime if possible. Um, they've just told us the last couple of weeks if you want overtime, you got it. Um, so I've worked a few extra hours, but there's been a couple guys there that are just fucking just they're they're. They're masochists. Going to town. One one guy worked like 70 hours in one week. He's coming in at like 7 in the morning and leaving at 8 at night, that kind of thing. So I'm not into that. But Cashing in. 
well, you know, good on them. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, not really been doing a whole lot um, except, you know, laying around and cleaning up my fucking house still. Are you getting fatter? I'm not getting fatter. I, I think I've actually lost weight. Um, I'm in mean, some weird sleep schedule, so I'm not really, I'm skipping meals at times, which I know is not good, but I'll get off work at like nine and it's like, eh, fuck, I don't really want to eat right now. So I'll just like go to bed to not worry about it. <laughs> so What's I'm, bad is I lost like 10 fucking pounds, but then I've been sick since I started getting sick last Thursday, but I've been, well, pretty much sick since then. But all I've been doing is just laying around, and it, it's, it hasn't really killed my appetite. And so I probably, you know, well, whatever. I need to miss some meals. Well, <laughs> hockey's back tonight. Yes. I'm excited about that. You know what? Um, the Olympics, I was kind of fired up at first about that. But um, the guy Olympics hockey teams, um, it just seems too much. It just seemed too much like a nhl all-star game or something <laughs> well it is yeah it is. <laughs> and, and I, I just i don't know i just don't dig that that much so i'm glad that the season is starting back up so we can get down to it and uh get into uh these games meaning yeah. something in the playoffs and all that shit because i'm the, trying to remember who's doing what you know the hurricanes are five points away from the flyers who are in third place and uh. have the last playoff spot in the division so um and they we we play the Sabres tonight. Ooh, so. Sabres. Yeah, they stink. So, um what have you been watching this week besides Olympic hockey? Uh, I didn't watch any Olympic hockey at all. Oh, I, well, there you I go. since I got sick, I I uh I just get was in that like I said, like doze off mode. I mean, it yeah. would just get fall asleep for 10 minutes, wake up feeling like shit, wishing I could fall back asleep and, you know. Um let's see. I won't go over some of these because I talked about them on some other shoes. Uh. But I made a big. Uh, <clears throat> I found a, a genre uh, on Netflix that is a it's a big thing. It's straight to DVD. Um, oh God! You talk about the seal movies. Yeah, you've been straight watching? to DVDs, Navy <laughs> Seal movies, and shit like that. Jesus. Okay, the first thing I watched was a a documentary called In a Town This Size. It's on Netflix. And um, it's actually really good. It was um, it's this small town in Oklahoma, and this pediatrician that everybody knew and loved and thought was the greatest. He was in the church and with all the you know all the families loved him and everything. He was friends with all of them. Well, he was molesting all their kids. Yay! <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what? And so um, it's it's very good. And and the guy that actually made the movie. The, oh, the, uh, he, the, he wasn't one of the kids. Was he, he was one of the kids. Oh no! And uh, but I had never heard of this, and it's it's actually really good. It's it's a it's a good watch. Um, uh, I watched Filthy Gorgeous, which is a documentary on Netflix about uh, Bob Guccione, who was the founder of Penthouse Magazine. Uh, this is this is pretty good because um, you know it goes all the way back to when he first started and was like a nobody. He he was a wannabe artist. He actually uh, was in some movies that he, he uh, uh, moved to Italy and married uh, – or married his wife and they moved to Italy and uh, he was in some uh, Italian cinema. And then um, he discovered or started doing uh, 
created Penthouse Magazine, and it became this huge success. And um, just the the guy itself, and um, they they talked about how he even his kids said that he created the character of Bob Guccione, the way he dressed with his shirt unbuttoned down to his belly button, and all these gold <laughs> chains and and boots and you know everything. Um, so the, the first nudie magazine I ever saw was the Vanessa Williams uh, issue of Penthouse. Yeah, my dad had that, and it had yeah, Tracy Lords in it, and now you can't get it, I don't think. I wonder if he threw it away, because it eventually, I think he must have figured out that I was looking at it. Yeah. Um, because it was kept in this one drawer in this random end table in the, in the den. Did, he, did and, he try and hide it? Well, kind of, but... I, I mean, it was not like out in the open, but it was not like buried under anything. Yeah. But I, he must have realized I was I was uh, moving it or something because eventually it disappeared. Well, he might not have wanted to get ar- uh, get arrested for child pornography because uh, you're not. The, she was only 15. Uh, Tracy Lords uh, in that issue, and so they pulled them all off the shelves plus all her movies. And if you have it, I think it's supposed to be considered. You're not. I don't think you're supposed to have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, let's see. Um, I watched Life Stinks with Mel Brooks. Um, I just happened <laughs> when I was in a stupor. It was on this, or mm-hmm. it might have been on Plex. I can't remember, but um, this is one uh, where I was just laying there and I thought, why not? You know, fucking leave it on. I caught it right at the very beginning, and um, I'd never seen this, and it was actually pretty fucking funny. I thought, yeah, um, I used to like. I, I haven't seen it in years and years, but I used to think it was really funny. Yeah, those old Mel Brooks movies. Um, it's it's old school humor, but um, you know, I mean, some of it is. But like Blazing Saddles, I mean, it had like fart jokes and boobies yeah. and stuff like that. It was more risque, but I think they're funny. Um, I think one of the last ones I saw was Robin Hood Men in Tights, and uh, I remember it wasn't that great. It wasn't great, but it was still I thought it was pretty amusing. Yeah, they had a good sense of humor, and you see, like when uh, Sid Caesar died uh, here recently, a lot of stuff where Mel Brooks was he was on Conan O'Brien talking about Sid Caesar. Oh, uh, Sid Caesar was fuck that that show was hilarious. Um, the TV show that he did, um, Show of Shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched um, Seal Team Six: Journey into Darkness. <laughs> now I'm telling you what, people, this one here, um, I could never be a Navy Seal because, okay, first of all, the physical limitations. I could never do any of that shit. Um, and I, you know, I admire them for what they do, but if they act uh, in real life the way they act in this movie. I would rather die than be in there, and it wouldn't be because of the training. It would be because they're a bunch of obnoxious assholes. They're jerks, man. I mean, it's just like, uh, you do this. Come on. You do this. I'll fucking put a boot in your ass, motherfucker. You get me fucking killed, and I'll come over there, and I'm going to do this. And it's like, Jesus Christ, I thought you guys were supposed to be a team. They, yeah, they bre- just are brethren. mean assholes constantly. And I guess you see that in a lot of Army and you know, uh, military movies where that's like a camaraderie thing. It's almost yeah. like a fraternity where they all tr- uh, act like total dicks to each other, but it shows a macho something. I hate that. <laughs> I do too. Fuck that shit. But um, this one, I was I was happy that fucking Ermy got blasted in. Uh, yeah, a <laughs> jerk. Um, <laughs> uh, or Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, but this one, I think it said, you know, they all say based on a true story or whatever. Um, 
Yeah, because it's a bunch of guys called Navy SEALs that do things with guns. Yeah. Yes, that's why it's based on the Yeah, story. <laughs> and I wonder, some of these movies you'll see, and they say that the guys portraying the SEALs are actually SEALs, and it wouldn't surprise me in this one because they, they didn't, weren't very good actors. Then I watched, um, <laughs> like I said, this was like a, a sick marathon where I didn't want to get off the couch. Uh, and you know what inspired this was um, – Jake uh, McLarge Huge talking about on his top 30 list about these Isaac Florentine SEAL movies and shit like that. Right. Uh, so I thought, you know, I'm going to jump in because, you know, usually the, the shitty movies I leave to you guys. <laughs> um, I watched Tactical Assault. Now, this one, I posted this on our group. I'm telling you what, people. I'm Like I just said, I'm not. Which. Which I'm sure you got overwhelming response when you posted it on yeah, our group. Yeah, on so. our group. Yeah. Um, I'm not usually the kind of person that goes up seeking out the so bad it's good movies because you usually go through so many awful <laughs> ones that aren't even worth watching to get to one gem. This is a fucking gem. This is Rutger Hauer. This is Robert Patrick from the Terminator, um, Terminator 2. Is this pre or post Terminator 2? I, when is this movie from? I bet you five bucks it is. Um, post because they tried to give him a starring vehicle. He's the oh. star. And Rutger Hauer is the uh, loose cannon. Right. But Rutger Hauer is old and he's fat <laughs> and he's supposed to be a fighter pilot. And he is over the top to the point it is awesome. <laughs> so watch it. And it's on Netflix. So if you get a chance, man, I'm telling tactical you. Tactical Assault. Tactical Assault. It has a very... A very boring name it will make you uh it will make you happy okay um let's see uh i watch special ops uh <laughs> now this one it started out i was like oh my god this is bad but you know what when i kind of started getting you know getting into the meat of just the action it wasn't that bad for a really low really low budget action movie mm-hmm the guy that is the lead, uh, Scott Adkins, is like um, Daniel Day-Lewis compared to this guy. <laughs> this guy is so bland, and he does not look like an action star at all. He looks he's like kind of skinny, and he doesn't have any charisma at all. He's, div- he's like, uh, if you have charisma and then the, the complete opposite of charisma, mm-hmm. like a black hole, he is the black hole of charisma. But he's pretty good in the action stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, I don't know. It was way better than that SEAL Team 6 Journey into Darkness <laughs> was the first one. I was like, oh, my God, this is bad. Okay, then I watched Priest with, um, uh, what's his name? Paul, ben, is that the Paul Bettany ben, movie? Yes. Uh, and But the thing that I, I think somebody had watched this one time and I was in the room, and I was just couldn't get into it or wasn't paying attention, so I didn't really watch it. Um, and and I'm not like the biggest uh, fan of religion, and so these people being like Catholic priests who are like superheroes, you know. Yeah. I don't know. But the one thing I found about this is it has do- or uh, Doctor Dread. <laughs> <laughs> it has fucking Bones McCoy or Dread or what's nice. his name? Carl Urban. Carl Urban. Yeah. He is the bad guy. Nice. And so, you know, it was worth a watch just because that, but it's not good. 
<laughs> um, I watched Pitch Black with Vin Diesel. And Vin Diesel. <laughs> now, I will say this. This one is pretty good. Uh, it's not great, but I don't think it was a big budget anything. And I yeah. liked him and Cole Hauser kind of uh, butting heads. And then the chick that was the wife in... Um, Man on Fire with Denzel Washington. I think she's pretty. She got like the short, brownish kind of blonde hair. Uh, she's the main chick, uh, so it wasn't bad. Um, I watched Crimson Tide because I, I I hadn't seen this in a while. It's one of those ones that I saw so many times that I just kind of needed to put it away. But mm-hmm. mainly the reason that I chose to watch it was because um, Vigo Mortensen's in it, and I forgot, and he's got a really small part. Or not a small, he's got a fairly decent part. Him and Denzel are like best buddies. But, I mean, he's very young in this. And um, religious, you know, I've talked about it a million times before. Uh, Chato's Land, Charles Bronson shirtless, hunting down, uh, well, he's being hunted by Jack Palance. And the paw from uh, the Waltons, who just passed away recently, Simon Oakland and uh, Richard Jordan and James Whitmore Sr. There's a whole and uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, character actors in this posse that are after Chato, who's a half breed who gunned down the sheriff because the sheriff was a racist asshole. And then guess what? Somebody turns the tables and the hunted become. Well, wait a minute. The hunters hunter, become yeah. undead, <laughs> but it's got some rape in it. It's uh, they were not good. I think this was kind of a uh, kind of a, had a kind of a Vietnam like uh, story parallel, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, whew, Chato turns into the Kong. <laughs> Chato. Um Blue Jasmine with Kate uh, Blanchett which is a yeah. Alan movie. Uh, I liked this a lot, and uh, I liked the casting. I liked Andrew Dice Clay, and I liked um, uh, Louis C.K. Uh, it's a good movie. I really enjoyed it. I think Kate Blanchett, uh, I think she got nominated for that, and, uh, and uh, I think she deserves God, it. She's beautiful. Oh, man, she had these uh, like uh, equestrian riding pants on in this one scene, and they're skin fucking tight. Wow. Fucking I was like, I've been watching too much SEAL stuff. Hoo-ah. Or did they say that? Something. That's, well, Marines, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Uh, butthole. They're all related. Yeah, well, you know, the, the Marines are part of the Navy. The yeah. best part! Uh, whatever. McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which if you want to hear me talk about that, listen to uh, Talk Without Rhythm podcast that should be coming out real soon. Uh, we reviewed that, and um, Once Upon a Time in the West had a good time. Uh, sorry I couldn't make that one. Yeah. Barrel! No, it was uh, it was good, you know. Uh, been it been uh, you know, we'd have probably just talked over each other like we do on the show, and yeah, at least much. it gave uh, El Goro a chance to speak. <laughs> <laughs> we seem to a lot of times when we guest host together, we overpower <laughs> like everything. I think that might be the reason that Metal Mikey had to go on hiatus. Yeah, I think he's he's still recovering. <laughs> he's on vacation after we run his show. Um, <laughs> I watched uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey uh, in, on blue and uh, with the surround sound. And man, it's a gorgeous fucking movie. I, I love this movie. I, I just, all the way around, I think it's just a great fucking movie. I could watch it a bazillion times. I, when I was a kid, uh, I actually took my tape recorder, my cassette recorder, and I recorded uh-huh. 
uh, parts of this movie, and I would listen to it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I don't know if I was a geek. I don't know what I'm, it was. I'm, I'm thinking about, speaking of surround sound, huh? I'm thinking about getting one of those like Bose sound bars that, that sits under the TV that like emulates surround sound, because I don't really have... I never have room or like I never really want to worry about setting up a like having a receiver and all that. I'm curious if they work well. Well, I'm telling you what, I wish I I went I just went to fucking Walmart one night and I was in there just fucking around and I and I saw one and I mean I didn't get like the cheapest one, but you know, I got middle of the road, but it's the one that still has the wires. Yeah, and see that's what I wish that's I would have got the wireless because you can Add you can get like a couple speakers, and then if maybe a couple months later, get one or two more and just add on. And um, I got the ones with the wires, but still, you know, my house is really small. I watched Clockwork Orange, uh, nice, which is uh, it, it was a three pack of uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Clockwork Orange, and The Shining, and they're all on individual discs, and they all have the uh, all the extras and everything. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch The Shining yet. I was a little bit a little bit afraid. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Clockwork Orange looked really good too, and I haven't seen that in a long time. And um, <laughs> it's an odd fucking movie. Yes, but it really says something. And I, I, I need like to see that again. It's been a long time. And I like that uh, David Prowse was in it because uh, I was like, wait a minute. Isn't it? Because uh, I kept trying to think. Isn't that David Prowse? You know, Darth Vader. Uh... Speaking of Darth Vader. Oh, I watched Star Wars this week. Did you? <laughs> well, I'm done. So okay, that's about. Um, so yeah, I, I doubled up my movie watching this week from last week. Um, I watched two last week, four this week, but not too bad. Um, Any with Navy I watched Seals, huh? what? Any with Navy Seals? No, no Navy Seals. <laughs> um. The uh, I watched uh, Rabid Dogs randomly. Um, that's the Mario Bava. Then he died, and his son Lamberto Bava mm-hmm. finished it uh, with. Uh, that Eastman. Uh, yeah, George Eastman and a bunch of other people. I don't really recognize. Well, is, that, is, and, is that the one where they are in the car with? The yeah, whole... they kidnap that one guy with the sick kid, and they kidnap the woman. I've never uh, seen that, but I just remembered the. It's really good. You should watch it. Um, Does I Eastman rape it. anybody? He whips out his cock once. <laughs> he, it's 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 definitely um, moving in that direction a few times, but most of it takes place in the car, so there's not really like room he's for too rape. big and there's not enough room. Oh my god, this car is tiny, and he is fucking <laughs> like even in the car, he's like everybody's up to his shoulder basically. He looks miserable. He stinks uh, too. Oh my god, it, everybody was sweaty, <laughs> and all they talked about was how hot it was outside. And <laughs> uh, it's really good. You should watch it. Rabbit dog. Um, rabbit dogs. I'm petting or the rabbit dog kidnapped. right now. Yeah, what rabbit because they just are... ate steak and cheesy rice. Yeah. I um, bastards, bitch and bastard goods. I watched um, Cannonball with Carradine, and this movie was a turd. <laughs> it was so boring. I don't know. <laughs> I think Gar- Pet liked it. I remember him oh, talking God. about David Carradine's tan uh, slacks and, and how tight they were about the crotch. Yes, he definitely showed off his uh, his his crotch mushroom a few times. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was not. not I, there should have been titties in it for one. Yeah. There was like borderline titties in it a few times. I, I, I saw that like 
when it i think maybe when it first came out it was this like was the, what, in the early 76 70s. Yeah, yeah i remember watching that at the fucking drive-in <laughs> it's no good i did not like it at all <laughs> cannonball run i'm for this one i will not watch again what about the big brawl that he had with uh the guy that uh screwed ned Beatty up the butt in deliverance in the uh like 7-eleven <laughs> that was pretty cool yeah um, is like I remember that because I always thought that David Carradine actually knew kung fu because he was in that show. But then I, <laughs> I, I found out that he didn't not really know anything. And uh, when he was fighting that guy's like, oh man, watch, he's gonna break out some kung fu, and it was pretty. And sad. he doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, and then uh, I'm uh, was in the process of packing, and and I was packing up all of my. Uh, DVDs because I, I had this bad habit of um, and, and if those of you in the group saw my uh, my depressing post of throwing away all my DVD and Blu-ray cases in the, at the local dump, uh, fucking hundreds of them in a big pile at this big crusher. Anyway, I still have a bunch of discs that I'd never even taken out of the wrapper and stuff that I'd bought at Big Lots and shit that had just been sitting around. So I'm finally just finally just sat down last night, sleeved up all of those, got rid of the cases for those two, and while I was doing that. I put on uh, Star Wars because it's something I, I came across it in the in the bin, and I'd not seen it in a while. But it's a movie that I mean, I was saying on the board last night. I think it might be a fucking movie. I'd it might be the first movie I ever saw um, as a kid because I, I remember going to Empire uh, Empire Strikes Back as a that that might have been the first time I went to the movies. But I already had Star Wars toys at the you know by the time I went to see that. So I assume. I had seen it. I can't really remember. I, I the first time I remember Star Wars is a uh my neighbor, she was a stewardess. Mm-hmm. And she never had kids, so um she would always like she was extra motherly to me. Uh so she I would like hang out at her house too and but she had uh, a VCR cable and shit way before uh we ever did. I didn't get cable. My parents didn't get cable until I was pfft, 27. Yeah, 20, like a couple years ago. No, uh, maybe it was probably the early 90s that we, or maybe like late 80s that went until we got cable. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she had, she, cause she, she would record HBO and stuff. So I'd always borrow her, because we had a VCR before we had cable. Um, I would always borrow her HBO recording of Star Wars and watch it. I, um, I remember being in the theater. And with my dad, I think, and my sister, and all of a sudden, you know, when they showed the previews before the movie started, they showed the previews for Star Wars. Now, this was, say, if it came out at, at maybe like 77 Christmas or something. Well, the first, yeah, it came out a couple times. The, first, the original run was in May. Yeah, okay, it was like summertime. Well, this was, this was probably in like January or maybe December or something, but they showed a trailer like six months before it was going to come out, and I'd never, you know, back then I was just a little kid. Well, 77 yeah. it came out. I was probably in like seventh grade, and I, I was... <laughs> that probably blew you away. Yeah, we were watching that trailer, because, you know... Anything before that was like laser blast or some shit like that that it they would it would be low budget and if it had any kind of lasers you were like oh my god but it would be just like a low budget piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. And when we I remember seeing that trailer and it was just flashes of stuff. They didn't really sh- talk, say anything. They were just showing flashes and I'd see like fucking 
this hairy thing and these all these lasers and these spaceships and everything. And I was like, oh my fucking God, what was that? And then I remember going to see it. And that summer we when we went to um I saw it in my hometown. And then that summer when we went to uh the beach, I, I begged my cousin who uh could actually drive and stuff and we like I said, you know, we were younger, uh to we, I was like, oh, let's go see Star Wars. Let's go see Star Wars. And it became this running joke because they'd be like, you know, it would rain at the beach and they'd be like, well, what do you guys want to go see? And I was like, Star Wars. And they were like, no, we're not going to go see <laughs> fucking Star Wars again. So I only saw it once, I think, in the theater because back then, you know, you're a kid and your parents had to give you money. Yeah. And so um, you didn't, I don't remember back then going to see anything like multiple times. Whereas yeah, now I mean, you I see mean, things over and over and over. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I saw that multiple times just because of VHS. I know yeah. I, I, I was too young to see well, it. Well, this was either. even pre VHS, so I mean, unless it, yeah. unless it was on TV, I had the, uh, the, uh, album on vinyl that played the whole movie, yeah. you know, with all the dialogue and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'd listen to that thing over and over and over. Yeah. And we, I mean, even before we had a VCR, I would watch it at her house just because she had a VCR in her room and Uh I could just fucking like, she'd be downstairs or visiting my mom across the street and I'd be laying in her bed watching. I was like, you know, like my, if my, um, my mom was, um, you know, or my sisters or something wanted to shut me up or, you know, didn't want me to bother them. They'd, you know, just turn the TV on in the basement and, you know, say, Watch TV, you know. Yeah, that's that's so. I mean, I you know dealing. That was the first thing with marketing that I ever experienced because I had so many of those damn toys. Yeah. I mean, I was so obsessed with those toys. Even more. I I mean, more the toys though. With me, it was even more so than watching the movies because uh, I don't know what it was, but I mean, they weren't very expensive. It didn't seem like. I mean, to me, everything was expensive, but you know, now toys fucking now are just absurd yeah but uh i mean i think it was like 99 cents for one of the figures oh yeah which i guess was probably a lot in the early 80s i remember my friend vaughn his mom was crazy like she Uh was an alcoholic and she was crazy and everything and she didn't work so i think she i think she got like some kind of money because she had seen her like her parent her mom and dad got burned up in a house fire and she saw it so she lost her mind and uh she was alcoholic and really and uh but she would just give him money so he always had every like gi joe and these were the big gi joes and and every accessory he had all the star trek uh action figures and anything that came with that and we would fucking play with those things all the time and then of course (laughs) like when we hit i think 10 Mm -hmm. my dad gave all our toys away Ugh. I mean everything. He gave them to my cut. It's time for you guys to grow up, you know. Yikes! So then I would go, you know, play, you know, get to play, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the coolest fucking thing ever." <laughs> the little GI Joes when they came out when I was young were really fucking expensive. Those things were like five, four or five bucks for one. Well, the big figure. ones that were like twelve inches. Yeah. I remember they were like, uh, I think, two dollars and ninety nine cents a piece. <laughs> and that's insane? why when the wee little ones came out, I was like, "Man, this is a jip." I have a I have a couple of those. The 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 with the story of GI Joes is kind of interesting because uh the Hasbro made those in the 60s. The military ones, yeah. Yeah, and then in the in the 70s this company called Takara in Japan bought the design. Right. Um uh 
then and Takara and Hasbro kind of would swap back and forth for a while, but Takara took those and made these clear versions of them where you could see their guts and stuff, and they were called they were called cyborgs. So the, the good guys were robot were were half robot, like they looked like men, but they you could see their like robot guts, and then all the bad guys would have the clear body, but you can actually see like organs and their brain and stuff, and um, and eventually uh, I might be a little fuzzy on this, but eventually Takara made Micro Man. Which was that came, eventually came out here, but that design they used that rubber band. Basically, they miniaturized the um, the big GI Joes to make these little pocket-sized ones, and they called them Microman. And then Hasbro got that design and made the small GI Joes in the eighties. But the, with it, it was a unique design because they had a rubber band holding their waist together, and it, it met, let them be more posed. And it, it came from the design of the big GI Joes, but. Back to uh, back to the Star Wars toys. The uh, the Millennium Falcon was the one I was obsessed with for whatever reason. I love that damn thing, and I, I I got one, and I was so like into it. I would even go down like in the summer and hope that Santa Claus had just randomly left me another one. <laughs> like I would just I don't know what it was. I was probably just really dumb. But the, <laughs> if I didn't, I would go downstairs every once in a while. Maybe Santa left me another Millennium. Nope, nope, not there. Um, and eventually that one disappeared. So. I don't know. I must have sold it at a yard sale or something. I should get another one. I haven't had one for years. But uh, anyway, Star Wars. Um, the only other thing I watched was uh, um, it was uh, Dread this morning. Um, the uh, the last movie that made the cut before I tape up my DVD and Blu-ray boxes. But um, I, I just came across it, uh, putting it away, and I was like, yeah, it's still seen that awesome. In a while. It's still awesome. Shooting people in the fucking cheek, and yeah. uh, I love when the big fat guy gets shot in the belly in slow motion, and the the waves wave just like, like boop, Earth. Yeah, that was a good, it was a good movie, good little movie there. I like it. Um, so yeah, that was it. I never have as I'm never as elaborate on these movies, so I never I don't watch as much though. Yeah, that might change. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try to. Because I'm going to be moving soon. I'm going to try to uh, live a little closer to work and see if I can cut down my day a little. My uh, See how that works out. You should just do what every fucking um, um, liberal does and just go on welfare. And <laughs> I've, I've been on unemployment before. It's fucking stressful, live man. Live off I the government tit. I, I lived off the government tit for about a year. I, I was on unemployment and... Uh, it's stressful because you got to fucking like take classes. Like I had to go and like take like a resume class, and I, you have to go and meet with a counselor and like show your work history, like where you've been applying and all this stuff. And you know what you should do is go to a grocery store and uh, go back where the eggs are, drop one on the fucking floor, and then like turn slip around, on it. yeah, <laughs> slip on it, and do like a, a flat back bump in uh. wrestling, and then lay there until they come, and then f- tell them say okay. I need to- I need to practice my bumps first, though, because I'll, yeah. I'll fucking do it and paralyze Yeah, myself. you'd probably fracture your fucking skull. <laughs> yeah, fucking funny. <laughs> All right, let's take a break, and uh, do you have a preference which we do first? Um, I don't care. It makes no never mind. Uh, do you want let's to do, do... Let's do Where the Buffalo Room. We'll go comedy, then drama. How about that? Comedy and drama. All right, we'll be right back. Okay, and welcome back to another episode of Guess That Riff. With me on the show tonight, my first contestant is Mr. Fred Nurk. 
Fred, are you ready to guess that riff? I sure am. Okay, here's riff number one. Ah, that's It's a Long Way to the Top by ACDC. Fantastic, Fred. Okay, here's riff number two. Hmm, that one is Eagle Rock by Daddy Cool. Fantastic, you're doing great, Fred. Now, this one's a tricky one. Guess riff number three. Hmm, that one is I Walk the Line by Johnny Cash. Fantastic, Fred. How did you know all those riffs? Well, I listened to Love That Album podcast. That's fantastic. Really? Uh, no, that's what you told me to say, Dad. Max, shh, I told you never to call me Dad during the promo. Go to lovethatalbum.blogspot.com or type in Love That Album, all one word, into iTunes. Listen to Love That Album. It might turn you into a rock geek. Or you might just con your son into making pitiful promos for your podcast. Pitiful Promos Podcast. <laughs> What's this shit? Tom Waits. I did. I think oh. we talked about this song on the episode of Love That Album. I did. Has been drinking. My necktie is asleep. And the combo went back to New York. The jukebox says to take a leap. And the carpet needs a haircut. And the spotlight looks like a prison break. Cause the telephone's out of cigarettes. And the balcony is on the make. Alright. We're the Buffalo Room. Uh, we didn't decide who's going to take the lead. Do you got a preference? Do you want to do the lead on this? Oh, did you just left the mic? I could tell. Uh, Where the Buffalo Roam from 1980. Semi-biographical film based on the experiences of gonzo journalist Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, do you want to take the lead on this? I, uh, yeah, well, I don't care. Okay, yeah, you can. It's directed by Art Linson. Ah. Um, written by John Kay. Uh, starring Bill Murray. It's a Bill Murray I hadn't seen, um, and I like Bill Murray a lot. And uh, and Peter Boyle as Laszlo, <laughs> a furry, a furry Peter Boyle. Furry Peter Boyle. Um, so this is this is on uh, Netflix uh, for the uninitiated or anybody that wants to play along. <laughs> I'm letting you know where you can find it easily. <laughs> and um, was it? Uh, Bill? No, who was it on the group that said that there was a release of this where it had all of the licensed music taken out? Mm. Which is, that's kind of weird because I would think that, you know, this movie was, I mean, it wasn't like a huge budget, but I'm sure they paid for it. But, but is it, is it, you, they pay for the, for the license for the music and then after a certain period of time. It must expire. It yeah. must expire because I can't imagine that they would make the movie and. Well, without so, permission. Well, what's good though is the, ne- the Netflix version of this has the music back. So yeah. whatever whatever happened between that release and this, they've uh, they've corrected that. And so it, I mean, I knew initially, I knew immediately that they had 
sorted it out because uh, they play Bob Dylan within, yeah. I don't know, five minutes of the beginning of the movie. So, anyway, Tom, what did you think of? Abraham, kill me a son. What did you think of Where the Buffalo Roam? Well, I will say this. Um, I think that um, it is difficult to um, make a movie about Hunter S. Thompson yes. uh, because he does a lot of drugs. And he's <laughs> drunk a lot. Um, I I will say that um, if you're not familiar, if you are familiar with him, and you're familiar with, um, I, th- I the first time I saw this, I didn't. I, I was very young, mm-hmm. uh, probably about mm, I don't know, sixteen or something like that, and I didn't know anything about Hunter S. Thompson. So when I watched it, I really did not like it. Because my my first uh, and it, it makes me think of it, but the um, mine was a William S. Burroughs thing. Kind of reminds me of it because of the yeah. Cronenberg movie that I saw that because I had never I didn't see any Hunter S. Thompson stories lunch? when I was young. Naked Lunch, yeah, I watched that when I was like thirteen, so I was, probably had a similar experience that you had with right. this. Now I will say this: um, I think the the. Uh, Fear and Loathing in uh, Las Vegas with Johnny Depp mm-hmm. because of uh, special effects and stuff like that. They can um, – and, and camera effects and special effects. I know at one time you said that you didn't like in movies when they would use the camera to kind of try and show – what someone who is doing drugs is seeing or experiencing. Yeah, like um, uh, I used to argue with a friend of mine because he thought in the John Waters movie, I think I guess, I think it was Pink Flamingos, but somebody was drunk. Right. Uh, and it was just like dizzy cam. I'm like, yeah. come on. It's, it's kind of, it's it's cheap. Well, now the, um, the Johnny Depp one, they try and show more of like if he's doing acid or pee, pee yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. They'll show the bats, uh, or they'll show like the fucking alligator reptile people, and and uh, <laughs> and, and, and it was effective because I know when yeah. uh, when like they were in the um, uh, when they were really fucked up and going into a casino or on an elevator and Benicio del Toro, they would do these extreme close-ups of his face and stuff like that. And it really did give you that effect. Now this movie, you don't get any of that. And, um, they, to me, uh, with the exception of him smoking a joint every once in a while. And I think there was a couple times where he took like a bottle, a prescription bottle out and took some pills or somebody saw him, he gave somebody something you don't that they, they they cut back on the drug thing it seems like yeah i mean he does coke in the front seat of the car yeah but they don't really show i mean he you know they they talk about eating acid but they don't right. really have him now uh, obviously hallucinating or whatever there was a documentary out uh and i have it on dvd i think it is actually still on netflix called gonzo which is about hunter s thompson which is excellent because it starts from the time he's a kid to when he was just a a writer and he hit it big with the Hell's Angels book uh, and got his ass. He hung out with the Hell's Angels for like a year and wrote this book. And then he they beat the fucking shit out of him over a guy kicking a dog and beating up his uh, old lady or whatever. But anyway, so this that's a really good companion piece. But if you watch um, if you watch uh, 
that documentary and you see the real Hunter S. Thompson, uh, especially when he's younger uh, and, you know, he talks like this all the time and he got that thing in his mouth and he's mumbling all the time, so it's kind of hard to understand what he's saying, stuff like that. Bill Murray has the fucking voice and everything down, and I know that he actually did hang out with Hunter S. Thompson yeah. for several pictures, and I think he is actually uh, him and uh, Johnny Dapper in the documentary, as well as a lot of other people. And um, but um, watching this movie now, after have uh, having read some of Hunter S. Thompson's uh, books and some of his articles that he wrote for Rolling Stone, and then seeing that documentary and seeing, well, I mean, before he fucking put a gun to his head and blew his brains out, uh, actually seeing him getting interviewed and stuff like that, I have more of an appreciation for, number one, uh, what he did and um, uh, you know the, the stories he wrote, uh, because they would send him on... Um, on these uh, stories, like they would send him to the Super Bowl, or they would send him to uh, <laughs> out to cover like this motorcycle race out in the fucking desert, or to f- cover a campaign or something like that. And th- his style, this Gonzo journalism, it, he would say, "Go to the fucking Super Bowl, or go to the Kentucky Derby, or something like that." But it wouldn't be just a a, a straight up. Uh, narrative about the event yeah it he would make it interesting and he would uh uh have political satire and and everything but it was all seen through this crazy world of this fucking drunk drugged uh you know uh guy who's like fucking he would to me it was weird it was like he was like a, a kind of a i don't know if i would say a walking contradiction because when you think of um of people uh of that time period um who we're doing drugs. You think of hippies. Yeah. And I think when he was younger, like uh, before the hell's angels book and uh, during that time, he was hanging around with the merry band of travelers and all this and that. And uh, he was probably more into that, uh, uh, hippie kind of lifestyle, even though he was more of a suburbanite kind of a guy, but then he, he really kind of, got in this weird mode because he was still doing that stuff and still drinking and all this and that, but he got really into guns and, and shit like that. And just, you know, but then a lot of people say that, um, the whole Dr. Gonzo thing was kind of like a, uh, a character that he wrote, uh, for the stories. And then because he became more and more famous, um, because I, I can't remember what the he doesn't use the name in um, in this uh, movie, but he had a uh, he actually had a, a, an alias himself hmm. that he would write, um, and it's in the uh, the 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 one uh, Johnny Depp movie that uh, not Fear and Loathing, but the um, oh shit. The, oh, the one that like it takes place in Cuba. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He's he goes by that that fictitious name that person, Raul Duke. Uh, Raul Duke. Uh, he goes by that name in that movie, I think, and because I, I saw that one once, so I thought it was pretty good. And then he goes by that name in I think Fear and Loathing, but that's what he would check in uh, to hotels and stuff like that. And I think he wrote under that name uh, or uh, the character, and then. 
lots of people said that they thought that it's kind of like Dr. Zom. I'm not comparing myself to, to him, but you know, do, you have Dr. Zom and then Dr. Zom acts a certain way on fucking the podcast. And then when you meet him in real life, you know, you, it's pretty much me, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the exact same. So anyway, but I'm just, but uh, I know that some people in his family and stuff like that thought that he sort of, it's like a wrestler who has a gimmick. Yeah. And after a while, they kind of become the gimmick. Ric Flair. And yeah, and I think that he sort of did that. And uh but in this movie, he I it, it, it's probably to uh not confuse the audience because this is I think the first movie that had anything to do with him. So they just kept it as Dr. Thompson, Dr. Gonzo, Hunter S. Thompson, whatever throughout the whole movie. Right. Um he to me this movie um it's like a. It's kind of like the next movie we're going to review, the ta- uh, Tales of Ordinary Madness, where you're taking a writer's. Um, well, and they did the same thing in Barfly. They did the same thing in Factotum, which have to do with the next movie we're talking about, um, where you have a writer that wrote a lot of different things, and so when they made the movie, they took. Uh, it's kind. Of, I wouldn't say vignettes. But each there's there's different sections of the movie, uh, and at this time, um, if you have read any of his stuff and know his story and everything, you you you're you're getting some stuff from one article, you're getting stuff from one book or one article, and and they kind of put them together and make this movie. Right. Um. um Peter Boyle, who I love, I love Bill Murray. I love Peter Boyle, um, and this is what I, I hardly recognize Boyle in this. Well, movie. he has hair. I, yeah. I mean, it's 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 thinning, but he has hair. And um, but I thought he was bald before this. Did they, they must have put a wig on him? Yeah, they hundred percent they did because when he did Crazy Joe and uh, when he the first times I saw him, he was comp- and Friends of Eddie Coyle, he's yeah. completely bald on top. So they did that, but um, he plays this uh, character Laszlo. Now, who's uh, Hunter S. Thompson's lawyer and is a, a civil rights uh, attorney. Now, um, in the movie, they kind of portray the Peter Boyle character, or they lead you to believe. Um, I think even Thompson in the movie, Bill Murray's, uh, somebody says uh, that or he even maybe says in the in the narrative where he's doing the the voiceover that some people say that Laszlo is just a figment of his imagination or a character right. that he writes in his stories. Now when I first saw this movie uh and that's all I had to go on, I thought that was actually possibly true. What do they say in the documentary? Do they mention Well, that he at all? is um um eh, um <laughs> god damn it, Oscar Zeta Acosta. Who mm-hmm. was a real guy, uh, and so he existed. He was a real guy. Him, he and Hunter S. Thompson were were really friends, and they really did shit together. And you know, but he was a civil rights attorney, and he was known as the Brown Buffalo. Uh, he actually wrote a book called The Brown Buffalo, uh, and um, he worked a lot with uh, um, the civil rights and uh, um, and a lot of the trying to help uh, Hispanics. Uh, who were having, getting shit on. I know he worked a lot with um, 
um, like just in the mo- like in the movie with uh, uh, counterculture people who were getting busted by the the pigs and right. <laughs> helping them out. But he also had a lot to do. He wrote several books uh, that had to do with uh, you know. Uh, helping Hispanic people and and uh, uh, they're being uh, persecuted and treated like shit, like second class citizens and da da da. So he was a real guy, and um, he actually did uh, under mysterious circumstances. Nobody ever knew what happened to him. They speculated that he had went down, um, and you see some of this in the movie. It's it's kind of vague. Uh, I don't know why they changed his name, other than uh, maybe you know they thought that. If they did, and they just made it a not a composite because it's basically he's basically playing the guy, yeah. um, uh, and they keep the look the same. Yeah, you know, I mean, and the the name is this. He he was also called. He also had the same name in. Uh, now is that the name that Hunter S. Thompson would use in his stories, the um the Laszlo? I th- think I can't because I mean that, that was his name in Fear and Loathing too, right? Yeah, um, so. Uh, yeah, because I think it just—it's it, like the Raoul Duke character. I mean, he didn't use his own name, so gotcha. You know. Yeah, I've never—I've never read any outside of maybe a couple articles. I've not read any. Well, there's actually stuff. some YouTube clips on um, YouTube. Where on the World Wide Web? <laughs> on the says. World Wide Web, there's actually some uh, clips of um, DaCosta. Uh, speaking uh, in front of you know some you know uh, audience and talking about his book and or one of the books I can't remember which one it was at the time and um, so but he's a fucking interesting character um, now uh, let's see he did uh, autobiography of uh, Brown Buffalo um, the revolt of the cockroach people Chicano Mortatorium and and uh, and he wrote a lot of stuff. But uh, I, I know that he was he went down to um, South America mm-hmm. and got involved in some shit. And uh, they think that maybe I think somebody said that the last time they saw him was on a boat or a ship or something like that. And they think that maybe some stuff went down and uh, some people killed him and threw him overboard or something. But you know nobody ever knew what happened to him. But in this movie. Um, you pretty much start out with uh, Thompson. They show uh, um, him in his bat cave, his lair. He lived out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I think there for a while. I don't know if it's Colorado, uh, some somewhere around like that area where yeah. uh, he lived. And uh, he ran for like uh, not sheriff, but something like that, like mayor or something. And um, uh, but he. He lived out in the middle of nowhere, you know, out in nature where he could fucking shoot his guns and everything. And um, he was notorious. They had that – I can't remember what they called it. It wasn't a fax machine, but it was uh, some kind of machine. And and, uh, I don't know if it was something that we watched recently or I watched. Oh, it was uh, Almost Famous. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And they were – when – what's his name that was married to Nancy Wilson of Heart? Uh, Cameron Crowe. It was about him when he was a kid, and he was a writer for Rolling Stone, which you know Hunter S. Thompson was a writer for Rolling Stone, and um, they gave him this big fucking machine, and uh, they said this thing can uh, you can send uh, ten pages, full pages of notes, and it only takes like eight hours for it to go through, 
You know, like it's like a fax machine, but it was, you know, it was a, it was just a the first this fax one. machine. Is this is so ridiculous? Piece of shit. And so they they gave him this because they said, you know, they were it's just like in the movie where Bruno Kirby is constantly getting on him, saying, you know, hey, we need a story, we need a story, we need a story. And uh, they knew he was a, a great writer, and 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 uh, his stories got a lot of press and they sold a lot of issues and so he would have a deadline and they so they said okay instead of us having to bother you we're going to make it easy for you we're going to give you this machine uh not a fax machine but whatever they called it at that time and you right. hook it up to the phone and uh, send us what you have while while you, if you write one page send it to us you know and he hated that machine he he <laughs> he hated it with a passion he would take like uh magazines and shit and and put them in there and then he had uh i remember they said he had ways of f- fucking fid- fiddling with the wires so it wouldn't work right so he could have it's like a kid turning in their homework and come up with a way to uh get out say you know well the machine's fucked up i try sent it you know and um but he, in this movie he um one of the big stories that he was famous for, and and uh, he, they would ask him, they would say, "Well, you know, is this story true?" Right. Uh, whether you know, uh, he came up with this uh, with a story where he was on the campaign trail, and uh, supposedly he met Nixon. He ran into him in the bathroom, and uh, at some place or something, and then. Uh, uh, he started talking to Nixon, and Nixon's like, you know, uh, I think you're very great, and uh, you know, wow, uh, I'd like to talk to you some more about football and this and that and everything. And so he gets supposedly gets in the fucking lim- uh, you know limousine with Nixon and rides with him, and you know, and all this bullshit. And so people said, well, you know, is this true? And he did the same thing when he was running for um, sheriff or whatever of that mm-hmm. town in Colorado, and uh, he came up with a thing. Or no, it was a uh, Muskie was running, I think, against Nixon, and he came up with this story that uh, Muskie had gotten some kind of a hallucinogenic drug, and he was hooked on it, and they had to put him in a mental hospital or something like that, and um, and it didn't help Muskie's fucking chances of becoming president. And they asked him, they said, well, is this true? And he goes, well, you know, uh, I like to think it is. You know, except he would make up shit. You know, it it, right. it it was like when people read some of his stuff, they 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 might. There was probably some people that thought it was true, but it was in Rolling Stone, and he and and the way he wrote was he he took a lot of liberties, and uh, when you when you're writing a parody of somebody, you can pretty much get away with saying anything. And not get sued, <laughs> so he, <laughs> you could always go back to that and say, "Well, you know, it was just a, you know, a, a thing." And so, anyway, in this movie, I thought Peter Boyle did a a really good job, and because there were times where he would just like, uh, he, like I said, you're getting bits and pieces of thompson's stories and stuff at the beginning he's looking for a story and they're bugging the shit out of him from rolling stone bruno kirby is calling him constantly where's the story where's the story what's the story going to be and so then uh he runs into peter boyle and peter boyle's going before this judge uh um representing probably pro bono or whatever all these uh, uh hippie kids that have been arrested for a pot 
and uh, which is funny because of all the shit that's going on in the U.S. right now. Uh, kind of, you know, at least they're making some progress. I don't know. Right, right. And yeah, uh, slowly but surely. Yeah, slowly but surely. Um, but that's one story where he was covering that, and then uh, then Laszlo disappears for a while, and then you know, he. I like how he would just show up, like he was not a real character. Like, how did he know that? Thompson was on this plane. How did he know that Thompson was here or there? And he would just, Thompson would be going to do something, and all of a sudden he'd be like, oh shit. Because he knew that Laszlo was fucking nuts, and he knew them, the, the two of them together were nuts. And I don't, I, it's, it's funny because Thompson was fucking crazy. Or, you know, usually drunk and high and everything else. <laughs> yeah. And and just an eccentric. But like I said, I think a lot of that was an act uh, at first. And then he kind of fell into it. But then he would see Laszlo and he'd be like, oh, shit. You know, like I've got this thing going and I need to, to get my work done. But he's going to come and it's like, well, what are you fucking talking about? You're a nut too. They had some um, – a couple of different situations where – Thompson would get uh, like a, that nurse in his room drunk or high, and it was like one of those um, – I know it's 1980, but it's right on the verge of those 70s chicks that are really super hot. Yeah. And she's got her fucking nurse uniform open with a white bra and – like she was hot. I high Dan- dancing there. I love that scene. Yes, that. that was so awesome. What was, the, what was the song they were dancing to? The uh, Sugar Pie Honey. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he was just constantly every place he went, um, whether it was a hotel room, a hospital room, whatever. It would just he would totally transform it into this fucking whatever. <laughs> You know, he'd come up with some way to... It'd be, a, it'd be a dump immediately. Yeah, immediately. Just tear up shit. Uh, uh, you know, hotels. He would... I know in several of the movies, they would talk about how he would... Uh, you know, he... I, I'd hate to see the bills that fucking Rolling Stone got for the stupid shit that he did and stuff that he tore up. And he would order this, you know, like... Uh, he would go... He would order, like, uh, everything on the menu... Uh, at a at a restaurant or room service, he'd order everything on the menu, have it sent up to his room, uh, like twice over in like one day, just stupid shit. Um, and they'd let him get away with it because I guess you know they liked his work. Um, but it kind of I I don't I wouldn't say it goes off the rails because this is what the guy's stories were, and um, I always wondered how much of the character like that you see in these movies, um, how much of that is a fictional character from the stories? And if this guy just didn't go get drunk, do some drugs and sit in his hotel room and come up with stupid shit to write. And then the rest right. of the like, stuff like giving away their Super Bowl tickets for a hat and a yeah a half drank bottle of wine and, or some kind of booze. You kinda wonder if you watch the documentary, like I said, I think because people expected him to act that way because of the stories, that then he, when he got older, he would and he would dress like the way he dressed and act like that. But he was portraying the character that he wrote 
Whereas, because I know that when he got older, um, you know, people always thought, oh, you know, Hunter is such a crazy, fun, nice guy and all this and that. But then you, when you saw people that he, um, you know, his, whether his wife or kids or whatever, and even some of his friends and stuff like that, they said, you know, he could be a real asshole. He could be a real bastard and mean and this and that. So, you know, when you see Bill Murray just acting crazy and it's all in fun. Right. But, but then again, this was him when he was a lot younger. So, you know, um, uh, this is a guy that, like I said, when he's at a, a party with a whole shitload of Hell's Angels and one of the Hell's Angels starts uh, stomping on his dog and then fucking uh, starts beating on his wife. I mean, he stood up and said, hey, you know, this is bullshit. Only a punk and a, and a coward beats up a woman and a dog or whatever. And then, you know, the guy comes over and knocks shit out of him. And then, well, with the Hell's Angels, their deal is if you start a fight with one of them, it's no questions asked. They all jump on you. Right. You know, and he got his, he got really beat up pretty bad. Uh, and then they just sent it, put him on his bike and sent him home. But then, uh, Sonny Barger, who was the head of the hell's angels at that time said, you know, Hey, you know, uh, I like Hunter. I like the way, even after they beat him up, he said, you know, I like, I like his writing and, uh, you know, he hung out with us and da, 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 da. but you know, it's just the way things are. That's their, that's how things work. You know, it's just, they're not going to take any shit. And, um, but the movie, I, I have to, I mean, compare it to, um, um, the two that Johnny Depp did. Right. Uh, and I think, like I said, I think they, I, I love Bill Murray. I think that, um, the one thing I think he captures Hunter S. Thompson the way he acted and everything, right. uh, and the way he looked and everything really well. But the one thing is, is you know I love Bill Murray and when I watch Bill Murray in a movie and he's being Bill Murray, he's great. But he's doing an impression in this one, and some Bill Murray stuff comes through, but not as much. I didn't. I didn't. When you see the uh, either the trailer or the poster or whatever for this, and you see Bill Murray and and you think it's going to be like this fucking laugh riot, but it's not. It's not. And 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 even you know this is the second time I've seen it or maybe third time because like I said I saw it when I was really young and I I know I've watched it uh, on Netflix uh, before like maybe a few years ago and. Um, it's not like a over the top laugh fest like Stripes or or uh, Ghostbusters or anything. You're not getting that Bill Murray like that, right? And and I think if you expect he's so, he's so good at being like the the lovable smartass and stuff right. like that, and, and that's not really Hunter kind of S. Thompson's personality and everything. Yeah, and you're watching him do an impersonation of this guy who was doing it probably like an impersonation of what he thought people <laughs> thought he should be. Now. If you watch, like I said, the documentary, and you see how the guy was, and you and you hear how he was, it's a it's a good movie, and it's he does a good job. Um, but I think that Fear and Loathing. I know that a lot of people didn't like it because it was too psychedelic and and too much of the the drug effect 
almost that was my issue with it when I first saw it. Right. When I first saw Fear and Loathing uh, when it came out, uh-huh. it was not for me. And I saw it again last year and liked it a lot better. It still might not be right for me. I think it I is know. a lot like Naked Lunch because you have all that shit. And, and I'm kind of like, like you, there are scenes in that where Del Toro's hair is all fucked up and his big guts sticking out. And they do <laughs> he some, was awesome in that movie. Yeah, they do some of the, the, the crazy camera angles and stuff. But it's almost like too much. It's like the entire movie is that way. From It's a drug joke, and if you're not in on that right. joke, then it's not going to be for you. Whereas this one, uh, you know, they're acting silly and everything, but it's you're watching them, you're not watching... Uh, them what they're seeing yeah, their yeah, yeah. eyes. Now the one, the second Johnny Depp one, where which I would think that that was uh, a Hunter S. Thompson, a very young Hunter S. Thompson, probably when he still had hair, because he was fucking as bald as Peter Boyle when he. <laughs> at, if you watch any interviews with him, when he uh, he did an interview, um, which I think is on YouTube, where they actually have him and they bring out one of the Hell's Angels, and Thompson has a black eye. Uh, he started losing his hair when he was really young, uh, but he wasn't completely bald. But I mean, you watch him even in uh, Fear and Love. I'm surprised in this one that um, they didn't have Bill Murray shave his fucking head because Johnny Depp shaved his in uh, in Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. Fear and Loathing, yeah. Um, but Murray, this one is coming off. Murray couldn't afford to lose the hair at this time. Well, yeah, I mean, he was losing <laughs> he still had his hair a little too. Bit. But also, um, he was coming off some of his big movies, and I think that you know it's like, or was this is nineteen eighty? Was this really before he hit big with him? Yeah, yeah. This is post. This is Saturday post Live. Saturday Night Live. It's uh, it's right around the time of Caddyshack. I don't know which came out first. This, there least... I think I would think this came out first because I don't think this was a big success at all. Um, but other than that, honestly, I don't know what else he would have been in right. as far as I'll, movies I'll, go. Sorry. I can look it up here. Um, 75, he did a voice in Shame of the Jungle, which we talked about a long time ago. Uh, Meatballs, yeah. he was not anything big in that. Yeah, this was his first big well, he movie. He was the main guy in Meatballs. Oh, is he? He was the king. Okay, I guess that was his first and it, it yeah, was a, yeah, yeah. it was a cute kind of a mild success movie, but he was just he was just getting into movies right off Saturday Night Live. And like I said, I remember when this one came out, and I don't think it did well at all at the theater. And when it was on VHS, I was you know that when it came out on VHS is uh you know he had already hit it big and everything. And I was like, oh, there's a Bill Murray movie, man, I'll check this out. And I just kind of it really. And I was like, man, this isn't that funny. But like I said, <laughs> I, I wasn't that um, knowledgeable about the character. It's funny, but it's it's uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to describe. But anyway, um, what do you? What are your? I'm I, I, I my my whole thing is I'm giving like a huge overview of all three fucking movies, his books. <laughs> that's all fine. This that's stuff, fine. Right? And it but, and that's kind of what it ends up feeling like right. because. This movie's very episodic. You you have right. you have it sandwiched between him working at home and it's really kind of a recollection of a couple of different times that he did something or other. Um the 
the it's I mean it, it starts off pretty wacky. He's got this dog that he's trained to eat eat uh, Nixon's crotch. Uh, Nixon's crotch every time he says Nixon. <laughs> well, and that's um, another thing too is um, nowadays. I mean, I grew up um, with Nixon. Uh, my first recollections uh, when I was a, a lot younger um, was Richard Nixon was probably the. F- I, I kind of remember LBJ, but I mean, I was a little kid, but Nixon was probably the first president that I ever remember and knew and all the shit that he was doing and everything. So, um, yeah, I was born with Gerald Ford. I mean, with, with, uh, with, uh, oh fuck man from planes, uh, Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter. But I, I only remember the, when Reagan was, elected. But, but that's one thing about this movie is, um, it helps if you grew up in that time and you know how people fucking hated Nixon and what a paranoid psycho, uh, that he was. And, uh, cause I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, just think like fucking, uh, George Bush, you know, and you'll, you kind of get the idea, uh, right. but he, yeah, he, he trained his dog to fucking bite Nixon's crotch. <laughs> yeah. And was he, that and Rip sh- Torn that was playing Nixon? I don't know who that was. I thought uh, it was Rip Torn. And I was wondering after when I was watching it if that was even something that he was just hallucinating. Well, that's what I said. I think that he just kind of uh, – it was kind of like uh, when he wrote it because he wrote that he, he met Nixon and actually rode in the – Nixon invited him to ride in the fucking uh, limo with him and hang out with him and shit and talk about football. But I think that when asked about that, it was a bunch – he – no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, well, it says Brian Cummings was the voice of Nixon, but I thought mm. Rip Torn actually was playing. Maybe, maybe it's not. But um, I think that he never came out and said he would just kind of give one of those answers that uh, you know. Well, I think it's uh, you know it, it could have happened. You well, know, it's a good. It it's a good rant. Yeah, uh, it, it was a good rant. He's standing there in the bathroom. He's dressed as that guy who I'm yeah. recognized from, like. <laughs> He was like an empty nest or something. Lots that, of TV but, uh, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, he had stolen that guy's clothes, and he was washing his shoes for some reason and drying them on the ha- I mean, that was pretty funny, and Richard Nixon was agreeing with him because he was going on this, I, I assume, sarcastic rant about drug addicts and, and poor people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Richard Nixon's like, come here, let me tell you something. Fuck the doomed. <laughs> you know. um, Fuck the poor people. Well, that sounds familiar. I don't know what's, you know. Oh, that's weird. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a collection. This movie ends up being a collection of humorous and ridiculous moments that don't quite add up to a great movie. Uh, the, I mean, I love some of the parts of it. I just don't love it as a whole. We get our old buddy Craig T in there for a couple minutes. As the cop, uh, yeah. As a cop, yeah. Um. Busting those fucking, uh, <laughs> smart ass kids. The, uh, I like, I like him, uh. Taking uh, texting while driving to the next level. He's <laughs> t- uh, you know, typing while that, driving. The girl that was the um, uh, cute nurse uh, died in 1984. Damn, that wasn't long after this. 53 to 90 to 84. Sunny oh Johnson. God. Just think, she had no idea that she was going to be dead in just a couple years after filming this. Yeah. Um. The I I really laugh. I think I, I laughed most at the scene when he is. This is the one of the stories they go into is him being hired to cover to write an article while attending the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. 
And I think the part I laughed at the most was when he was checking into the hotel there. He's very distracted. He keeps coughing like <laughs> like dramatically. But he's standing there and he's trying to make a... He's like, I want room service. And he's ordering like 19 grapefruits. He eats grapefruits through the whole movie. Well, he pours and, the vodka in him and then uh, he cuts like the yeah, around yeah. the rind and pours vodka in him and then sits there and drinks out of him. And he has a he, big uh, bowie knife. Yeah, he carries he his knife. He out anywhere. <laughs> But I love it. He like goes free. He freaks out. He like punches the dude's desk. And there's all the time. There's these two midgets right next to him. The bellhops. And I was also wondering at that point if they were actually there or not. But you see them later on, so I guess they were. But they have these giant key rings. They both keep around their necks. And he keeps bidding. He will just stop. He's totally distracted by them. He'll just stop in the middle of his sentence and just look at them, oh, staring this, uh, at them. Um, that girl that played the the nurse, Sunny Johnson. It says she died from a bursted blood vessel in her brain. Uh, she she was only thirty fucking years old, and uh, her boyfriend found her, and they took her to the hospital. And I guess they said she was brain dead, so her parents took her off the respirator. Thirty years old, Jesus, age of Christ. She was also uh, she was listed in credits of Animal House as Otter's co-ed. So I was going to say I was wondering if she was the one that Otter uh, ended up fucking, and she was a. Uh, Fort 13 or whatever, but it <laughs> oh, wasn't. Yeah, she was. That wasn't her. I remember. Nah, nah, she, nah. Yeah, it must have well, just that, been uh, some some chick that he one of the ones that he was banging. These tits are at least eight years old each. Oh, oh wait, that's the next movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I really like the scene too. While they're driving down the road, they pick up the hitchhiker and fucking Murray has his shirt off for some reason. He's snorting coke off his hand. I'm pretty sure he has coke in his chest hair, and it's on under his nose. <laughs> Peter Boyle is screaming about something. He's got coke all in his mustache, <laughs> and the poor guy, the poor hitchhikers in the back. Can I get out here? Um, but uh, you know, I laughed at some stuff like the ridiculous Mexican gang that were running the guns, like Rojas and his gang. Like you got Rojas with his red dyed curly hair, and the he's got this big fat dude with a bandolier, <laughs> and it's other. Now the little dude that was with him made me think of for some reason he looked like a Mexican Danny DeVito, but uh, he was all sweaty and had a rolled up camo headband. You know, it, it's stuff like that that were humorous to see, but didn't uh, add up to just a great movie. Yeah, uh, it, it was it's worth seeing, I guess. We can get into our ratings here. Uh, I would say this one, uh, it's it it never really is what I want it to be and what I the want it to, weird. Well, what I want it to be is Bill Murray, you know, doing his thing and it, and it's never going to be that, but um I would probably give this a uh, like 5.75. It's just kind of um every time I watch it it's I think okay, maybe if I watch it now, maybe if I I watch it it's I don't know. Maybe I just didn't get it, but I've watched yeah. it like three times, and every time I feel the exact same way that it's not not what I want it to be. And because I don't know, Thompson just kind of gets on my nerves after a while. It's just like <laughs> I think that he, I, I, when I'm watching him doing some of the stupid shit that he does all the time, I think yeah. that it. If you were around him, I think it would get tiring. And when I'm watching it, I it just kind of it's not amusing after a while it's just like he's yeah. just is he just doing shit acting crazy and doing shit just to put on a spectacle or something i don't know it's just the way it affects me i'm like eh, come yeah. on dude 
The um, and it's I'm I'm curious what I would feel about these movies, this and even Fear and Loathing. I haven't I haven't seen. Uh, is there another Hunter S. Thompson movie? What's that? Well, the other one with Johnny Depp. Uh, have they, oh yeah, uh, yeah, that one. I mean, is there are there any besides those? I, I don't think so. The uh, I haven't imagine. seen I haven't seen the newer one, but the um, I, I wonder if I knew more about them if I would feel different about, differently about it. But the um, I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you though. I give it a six out of ten. It's I'm a Bill Murray apologist, and which might have helped with this. Yeah. Um, it's got a good soundtrack. Um, Bill Murray's really good, and Peter Boyle's really good too. Um, but the I don't know, it kind of lost my interest a few times. Well, it's the uh, Rum Diary, um, but um, it's just what it is. I, uh, he is just this odd spectacle, and that's why I said when they make a movie, that's why I think Rum Diary was. I liked it because it was more of a straightforward story, right? And and it didn't have all the. Um, the 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 just him being you know an obnoxious gonzo. fucking gonzo <laughs> goofball you know maybe that's sacrilege to say that but it's a truth eh. for me it is you know well let's take a break and talk about a quite quite a different writer <laughs> um, we'll be right back with a review of tales of ordinary madness we'll be right back. I said I said we'll be right back like 16 times, but we'll be right back. Ahoy, mateys. This is KAB, Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here, beaming a signal across the sea. I'll be here playing music all through the witching hour. I'm still waiting to hear from that weatherman. But in the meantime, stay here with me. Be sure to visit our sponsor, Paracinema Magazine. They're the source for all your genre movie needs. Check them out online at paracinema.net. Tell them Stevie sent you. Keep me turned on for a while, and I'll do my best to do the same for you. The Smooth Sound. Fabulous. 1981. Zom, would you like to synopsize? Poet lecturer Charles Serking awakens from his alcoholic haze long enough to take a bus back to LA and plunge into an orgy of drink, sexual depravity. So this is uh, this is directed by Marco Ferreri. Um, I don't know much about him. I looked through his filmography and this is probably the only thing. So this movie 
being as I hadn't seen it, this has uh, learned me in two things. I had never before seen a Marco Ferrari movie, and uh, I don't know what else I'll ever see by him because I don't really recognize anything. But uh, I also I don't know that I've ever seen a Ben Gazzara fronted movie. Did you see um, Killing of a Chinese Bookie? Never seen it. Yeah, I guess he didn't front fucking uh, Roadhouse, but he sure as hell wanted to fuck Dalton. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Dogville he was in. Uh-huh. Uh, I've seen Buffalo 66. Yeah, I've awesome. seen Big Lebowski. He's in all these movies, but... Jackie Treehorn. Not, not really the... He treats objects like women. Man. <laughs> he's not really the lead in any of them, so... <laughs> um, I like Bengazara, though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, he was very good in this. So uh, this is starring Ben Gazzara and uh, Ornella Muti, who Might have was the in... S- perfect ass of all time. God, she is gorgeous. <laughs> um, she, oh, I gave that away so early. I feel like she was in something that we reviewed, because when I was looking up photos of her, there was one in particular that I feel like we had posted before. But looking through here, I may, I guess we haven't. I don't know what it would have been. I know I posted pictures of her before just because I thought she was hot. Maybe that's well, what it was. She was in Oscar with Sly Stallone, but we didn't do that yeah, one. Yeah, we haven't covered that. And she was she was the princess in Flash Gordon, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably where I first saw her as a child. He's a medical. Um, really disappointed she didn't show off the boobage in this movie though plenty of time for her to do it too she looks like she might be the total fucking package I'll tell you that god she is gorgeous Um, so uh, this is based on um, a I don't know if it's a Bukowski novel or short story collection or whatever Funny name, though. It's called Erections, Ejaculations, Exhibitions, and General Tales of Ordinary Madness by Charles Bukowski. Um, now, Bukowski, unlike Hunter S. Thompson, was not really a, much of a traveler. He, he, didn't, uh, he didn't really immerse himself in his work other than it being his actual life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> his now, research was going out and getting fucking drunk and Yeah, yeah. And being and living in the shitty like the shittiest Flop place house. he could find. Um now I've read I've read some <laughs> things by him. Unlike what I just laughed. Oh I like un- to un- laugh. Unlike the Hunter S. Thompson stuff, I've I've actually read some Bukowski. There was a there was a guy I used to work with who uh this is what sold me on checking out Bukowski. He he this is a you know, this is not a guy with complex needs that I was that I worked with, but he he was like, Man, one of the best weekends I ever had. I had two Bukowski uh poetry books, a lot of beer, and I just got drunk and read poetry and slept on the floor. <laughs> and I was like something about that sounds appealing. And I and I that's what made me check it out. And I have I I mean I still to this day own own a few books by him, he's but a, he's a, a for a certain age group of males, he is definitely like a, a popular. Uh, I remember actually, uh, did you ever watch Nine O Two One O when you were a kid? No, I never. I never. Well, watched that it. fucking uh, what's the guy with the big forehead? He played Dylan. Priestley, huh? J- Jason Priestley, not Priestley, the other one. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember what the fuck his name is, but he played Dylan. He was big on like a, you know reading. He was like the James Dean of the show, and he read Bukowski and everything. And there's almost like a um, not a stigma, but a a thing that um, 
people I know on the Howard Stern show, uh, Casey, the the big meathead football player wrestler, uh, mm-hmm. who was on the Stern show, who eventually kind of went nuts and uh, you know wrote uh, "fuck you" in in his own blood in the Bible and all this shit, and he just went crazy. He he would Stern would sit, call, talk about how he was a meathead and how dumb he was, and he was like, "Yeah, I, I read poetry." Uh, I like to read poetry. He's like, well, what kind of poetry do you read? Uh, I like I like Bukowski. You know, it's it's kind of like a a macho, like a, I don't know if I'd say a macho thing, but like a, he's supposed to be like a you know a man's man who talks about I fucked a pussy, and then I went and she I uh, slapped the cunt across the face, and and then I went and drank and vomited in her ear hole. You know, it's a, yeah, it's like I think I think the what was interesting about him, I think the audience, like his poetry was a reflection of how he was living, right? And I think the audience that he ended up with was not like I don't know that anybody actually lived the, the same way. Yeah, um, but you know, I, I, I just uh, thinking about whether it's a. Uh, guys that like Jim Morrison and so then they go out and try and emu- or you know the Rolling Stones or Sid Vicious or whoever or whether it's a painter or something like that or, 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 or uh, Henry Miller or whatever and um, they they see these guys and and they're these famous artists who are tormented because they're drug addicts or they're drunks or they're leches or who knows what and then because they like them, they try and go out and live the same way. Yeah. Which is like, no, you know, uh, I just, I never got that. I'm like, if this guy's a fucking, you know, I don't know. He's, he's a rugged individual. He's living outside the system. No, he's yeah. a fucking drunk. He's an antisocial alcoholic. Yeah. He's an antisocial uh, wife beat or woman beating alcoholic with a goddamn liver. This that's yellow, the size of a canned ham. You he, know? um, so I've read a couple of his books, uh, Ham on Rye, which is his his novels are just stories, but they are completely autobiographical. <laughs> Do you ever read anything about when he worked in the post office? Yeah, so the post office <laughs> is one that I read in Ham on Rye, and you know what? It, the post office stuff makes me think of um, uh, the American Splendor guy too. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a similar kind of thing. These I guys like going to say it makes you think about working at Apple. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've had other jobs that made were a lot worse. So. <laughs> Um, but I mean, you know, he drove a shitty bug, uh, which you actually get to see momentarily in this one. Um, he always talked about that shitty car. Um, but he would basically like work on and off at the post office just to make sure he had enough money to occasional factory at one time. Yeah. Just to have (laughs) enough money to fucking eat, uh, buy as much booze as possible and have money to gamble at the horse track. Yeah. I think it's just that he, he seemed to have life broken down at his, and it's just, it's. It's basic. I mean, he he wasn't he wasn't about money. He really mm-hmm. wasn't about like. Um, I mean, I, I guess he was. He liked sex, but I mean, you know, he would get these fucking gross ass, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, well, in the book, in the book, Post Office, um, Post Office has the has the character this like this, and I feel like. Wasn't uh, didn't this happen in Barfly? Though he's like gets involved with the rich woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that was like a, a woman that he was actually married to. That apparently in real life had a huge beer gut and stuff. And, <laughs> well, uh, there's there's several 
like if uh, factotum with Matt Dillon, the three that I know of is, uh, about Bukowski, or uh, in this one, he's uh, what's his name in this one? Uh, Charles Serking. Serking, yeah. Yeah, but in the other ones, he, see, he always wrote as the. Uh, uh, his self, uh, instead of Raul Duke, which like Hunter S. Thompson, he was a uh, Henry Ch- uh, Chinaski or Chinaski. Chinaski, yeah. And, um, and the- but if you watch Factotum and you watch Barfly, uh, kind of like um, where the Buffalo Rome was, uh, different segments of stories or different short stories kind of put together as a movie. That's the way both of those movies were, and you'll actually see. Uh, some of the same shit in Factotum that you saw in Barfly, like maybe some of the same story, the same person or whatever. Whereas in this one, I didn't get that as much. Yeah, and this 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 had to have been just like, um, and I've not read this particular story, which is why honestly I don't even I've never even seen it around. Like right. I, I've I've read a lot. Of, I think this like, one was just wasn't it just a short story or something. I don't know. I don't know. I could, I've never even like. It's it's one of those things. Like you'll, I, I would go to the uh, Barnes and Noble or whatever, and just kind of peruse, uh, you know, peruse the section, whatever. I never, I don't ever even recall seeing yes, this as it's a, a collection. Story anyway. Two uh, two collections of short stories. And I'm. It seems like it just takes place over like maybe one summer, right? You know, it's it's it it's a uh, it's a little slice of his fucking depressing life, and. Um, and and not that uh, not that Ben Gazzara is uh, a uh, super. I mean, I guess he wasn't hideous, but he's not like he at this point he wasn't like super attractive, man, man, you know, very handsome. But and you, and you got Dylan, and you got uh, in in the what's his face. But they, you know, I don't think anybody that's ever played Bukowski is actually is unattractive. Yeah, he he had like a. I know when he was a, a young kid, he had really bad acne. Yeah, uh, that was in that was in Ham on Rye. He talked about going to these these treatments, like basically having to like basically get his skin peeled like, and peeled yeah. off and ugh. But he had, he was he um, even I mean from that he was always self conscious. But the thing what the thing about him was, <laughs> it's like there's someone for everyone. And when you're gross or whatever, I mean, yeah, <laughs> he he always was self conscious because he he had that real bad acne. And then when he got older, you know, he had the real uh, craggy, pockmarked face, which yeah. probably wasn't helped by the fact that he probably had cirrhosis of the fucking liver. And and he, you know, oh, he had that big red nose. Oh, and when somebody drinks, you know, like that, it just it it makes him blood look vessels burst in twenty the face years and older and just look like hell. Um. But I this mean, is you know, a, uh, the, 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 the movie Barfly, they're actually the term Barfly. That's what, I mean, I hate to say this to, to some of my <laughs> but you can find somebody just about every night of the week if you're not too picky. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think he was. And I, I think because of how he was, uh, you know, picked on and like his dad beat him a lot, yeah. a lot. Like it made him like he would st- have to stand in the bathtub and his fuck his dad would just fucking wail on him just for just because to get out his aggressions. Well, I think and, too. I think the the one thing about him was, um, and they addressed this in Barfly and in this movie, and you know, in fact, totem probably a lot of his books, just how how he was. He 
some people would, you know, probably at one at first glance would look at him as like this stumble bum, uh, wino drunk, uh, who who was just didn't give a shit and was a loser and a freeloader or whatever. But the one thing about him was is that he carried himself as something more. He carried himself. At, they they said in the one movie, you know, you 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 don't. You don't walk and act like all the other drunks in here. You 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 uh, you carry yourself almost like you're royalty or like you're yeah. like you're better. That you know he would be there with these guys that are wearing the you know uh, uh, Park Avenue uh, with uh, you know uh, Hugo Boss. You know I was going to say Hugo Boss. I just came to mind because we were talking about Nazi SS <laughs> another show, but um, you know dressed to the nines. And it's almost like he's looking down on them, you know, because right. in, in his mind, he was like uh, the uh, he was the king of the bums. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he and he really was, and it was it was uh, he found a niche where he felt where he gained his confidence, right. because you know when he he was so picked on and and uh, abused as a kid, when he finally found out that man with through this poetry and stuff like. He could get women. They might not have been like the hottest women in the world, but he could get them. And then, I mean, with his alcoholism on top of that, he would just try to dominate people. And, you know, there's that. I, I've seen that one, the documentary he, he of just, him. He just not have, have that. He, he, I mean, you're, you're free to an extent. If you, I mean, if tomorrow you decided that you just don't give a shit about anything, about money, about how people think about you and everything, I mean, it's like. There is a certain amount of freedom in just not giving a fuck, where because you, you're not going to have that stress and that uh, right. the stuff that you you know. I mean, he could the place he would live in would probably be like two dollars and fifty cents a goddamn you know, <laughs> or a dollar a day, or you know, some of these flop yeah. houses and shit, and you know, just and, and as long as he could you know scarf up a sandwich every once in a while. Uh, uh, and and you know have wine for breakfast. Yeah, maybe. that's all. I mean, that's he broke broke life down to the ba- to the basics. Now, even saying that, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, well, you know, in some ways, he was just a fucking bum. But I, I guess it's just a. Eh. It was a choice he made to yeah. live like that. Yeah. The um, we should all be I guess so he, lucky. He, he was he was wealthier <laughs> later on. I'm pretty sure, just due to his writing and stuff. But yeah, I mean, for, well, that's the, the thing. He w- he would write these stories and get them published, and and he became famous. So at least, uh, whereas whereas some artists, you know, they don't become famous or make money until after they're dead. Right. I mean, you know, he did do that. So even he might have tried to be dead a few times. Yeah, but he just couldn't function uh, in the if he would get a job. Uh, you know, with some kind of publishing house or something, he would always fuck it up because there was no way that he could function with just normal people. Right, right. So this is a um, this is a very it's an Italian movie. Um, the I, I didn't try to butcher the Italian name of it. I'll do I, it. Um, hang on, hang on. It is <laughs> Storie di uh, Ordinaria Folia. Yeah, see that one too bad. Yeah, sure. Um, he uh, it, and it feels very European. Um, you know, you get, uh, some of the lighting that I really liked throughout it, but, um, you have this, even it starts off early when he's kind of doing this on stage thing and they don't really say where he is other than he's about 4,000 miles from 
Los Angeles. So I guess he's on the East Coast somewhere. Yeah. But he's doing like a spoken word thing. And uh, but there's an interest even there. Even there, there's this interesting angle that the camera takes where it's kind of three quarters behind him. Like you see him looking yeah. out. And it's a, it's a big theater, but the, it's not very full. There's, I mean, there's a few people there. But um, well, it, you you kind of know what you're going to get um, from the word go with the first uh, interaction he has with a female. <laughs> yeah, because that was confusing for a second. I was like, what? It still was afterwards. I mean, there was uh, yeah. th- th- so he meet he backstage in there. He meets this l- girl who first says she's twelve, and he picks her up. I mean, he's sta- he is staggering drunk, like wa- he's like w- swaying. Um, this is right after he gets off stage. We call that she- the McLarge huge. Yes, she's McLarge. He's McLarge huging everywhere. <laughs> the um, he he McLarge huges to backstage where she, this girl apparently has been living um, in the theater, and uh, she definitely looks young. But he, you know, he talks to her, whatever. She says she's twelve, and he picks her up over his shoulder and puts her on this stool so she's eye to eye level with him. And looks at her for a second. Then he puts his hands on her tits. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. Those tits are at least eight years old each. That adds up to 16. And uh, she, they, they kiss or whatever. And she, he's like, why did you lie? And she's like, well, I'm actually 14. I'm like, what? Wait, what's going on? <laughs> so he wants to take her back out to California because she wants to go and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, no, uh, once he's just fucking drunk. Yeah, he was hammered. And he, but you know, he wakes up, and I was curious what if anything had actually happened. They don't say yay or nay, but his fly is down because uh, he zips up, and then she's left her panties with "love you" written on the on the underwear. Yeah, it's kind of hanging on a clothesline. Um, but I like that he did put those love note panties in his pocket. That, <laughs> that was a nice sleazy touch. Hang on to those for later. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Gazar is fantastic. I don't know if he was really drunk at all in this movie, but he's really fucking good as a drunk man. Um, and and the fact that he's so high functioning was pretty startling too. But um, the uh, he gets home. He he goes on this kind of disastrous road trip. He gets home, and that's kind of where the 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 story starts. God is um, his wife. <sighs> yeah, so he lives in this really <laughs> shitty, rundown. Uh, get probably once was a hotel. Now it's just kind of like. I don't know, but uh, his ex-wife is the landlord, and she she's kind of gross. <laughs> she's got really curly hair and really flat tits, and uh, she's just kind of skinny, gross, you know. Um, she's always giving him a hard time, and it's really bizarre in this place in that everybody has a giant window on their room. Uh, there's no, it's one of those places where they. It seemed like it was an older hotel because there's no bathrooms in. Well, no, he did have a bathroom in his room. Yeah, uh, but there was windows in all the fucking doors, so you could just like stand outside somebody's apartment and look right in. Um, there were kids and stuff that would run around there. He gives kid, he gives one, a couple of the kids a beer as he's walking by, and they just start <laughs> drinking it. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I was really hoping she would be in it more, but he he. We get a we get a glimpse of Susan Tyrell, and that scene had me fucking grinning, <laughs> even though it's so gross. <laughs> the part where they were kind of uh, it it was like a a, a um, seduction, but what did he say? She she had the ass of a wild animal. <laughs> yeah, she was the rare kind that gives you an instant hard on. 
All sexual sleaze with an ass like a wild animal. My kind, my kind of game. She was sleazy, but you know what? Honest to God, and I and, and that's what I was saying about it with some some uh, ine- I don't know if I would say necessarily just inebriated. Some of them possibly mentally ill. Um, <laughs> I've had some experiences with people that. Um, what what did Maud Lebowski say? Is it like coitus <laughs> with people <laughs> yeah. that the most I said to them was let's get out of here. Yeah, I and, mean, and they'll just and, and and it's like okay. Yeah, I, I mean, mean they're playing this game. He meets he, can, he decides just, to go get get drunk on the swings at at Venice Beach, and she's yeah. there sitting next to him, and he just follows her home, and she they have this really gross up. sex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, does she and, have a seizure? <laughs> I don't know what she did, but <laughs> or he was just so, playing a game. Well, I know she I, was playing a one game that was not very funny. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Well, she uh, uh, he follows her home. She does this weird pass out thing where he pushes her. Like, did he? he I don't know. Did she fall? Did he push her? I can't even remember. remember. She, she would just like. I thought she was having like seizures or something because her eyes would just roll up in her head all of a sudden, and she would just be out. Yeah, and she and then uh, he was gonna. I don't. Was he gonna? Well, he, I think he was. I think he. Yeah, he thought about it. Um, she, especially uh, with her uh, trashy lingerie on. He loosened. Not. He loosened her clothes so she wouldn't suffocate. Yeah, that was it. That was definitely why he did it. And um, she wasn't wearing underwear. She was wearing garters and uh, a really strappy bra, which was kind of sexy. The bra yeah. Was. Well, she. Yeah, she. She was. She had uh, the crazy, uh, crazy trashy fucking. Uh, yeah, sexiness in some way. She had the she had the whore paint going on. She had a gross ass though. Dude, she used but, to uh, fuck Hervé Villachez. <laughs> uh, that was her boyfriend for a long time. Um. Oh, that that poor woman. She was a hell of an actress. Yeah. Uh, I think eventually she, she had to have her legs cut off or something from like uh, diabetes. Is she still around? Nah, she died. No. I think. No. Um. But I mean, like he goes and finds a banana in the kitchen, and basically like rams her with the banana I, up against I, the I door. I love, and... I love how, uh, and they did this in uh, Barfly. How he's an opportunist when it comes to food. Like <laughs> yeah. if he's anywhere, the first, I mean, like if he has a chance, he'll he'll try and uh, swag some fucking uh, some kind <laughs> of food the, and with drink. the corn and fucking yeah, <laughs> the corn and Barfly. Yeah, find some yeah. fucking. Well, remember when he went in the in Barfly? He went into the wrong room in the flop house, and he sat <laughs> he down and he eating. looked around. and He's like, something's not right. And then when he realized he was in the wrong room, the first thing he did was not leave. He went and raided the refrigerator. <laughs> Well, he does it with the fat woman's apartment here. Uh, he goes, I mean, he goes in there and starts eating her food that she's cooking. He ate a lot of stuff there. But um, <laughs> well, we're jumping ahead. Yeah, Tyrell's such a creep in this. Uh, but the um, <laughs> <laughs> she really is. What did he say really when hoping... he was in jail? The guy said, "What are you in here for?" And he said, uh, 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 "Violence of the carnal variety, or something <laughs> like that." <laughs> Um, he, uh, <laughs> she, um, that was just her gimmick. She, she, you know. Yeah. She was like, why don't you go take a bath? You want some steak and eggs or whatever? Oh, and he's she's like, so oh. weird how she grosses. She's like, figure some steak and eggs. Yeah. She, and I mean, they fuck on the bed and her eyes are rolling back and she's got that gross, like, look on her face. 
<laughs> she's so disgusting. I really wish she was in it more, though. When he yeah. goes back there later on, I was really hoping he was going to see her again, but that wasn't the case. I, which was uh, probably point, the point. I think that was supposed to be a surprise. Like, oh, okay, he's going to see her. She's well, an easier think, target. Yeah, she <laughs> she burned him a little bit. I don't, I don't want to give away what the what the <laughs> ultimate resolution was. But I liked her passed out on the floor with her vagina out and stuff. Yeah. Like, she almost showed the goods. I mean, she was getting on the bed like, come here, yeah, come here. Her legs all open, yeah. yeah. But um, it was the, his underwear. That was a surprise. His, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They show his underwear. She's like, "Look at him with his his gun out or whatever." And I was like, "What is she talking about?" And he's wearing these fucking tidy whiteies with like, like a little boy's underwear. You know? Yeah, they were tight and uh, Cat, like a and cowboy, little cowboy like uh, bu- like holster and and pistol. But the pistol's right where his penis was. So <laughs> like maybe they weren't maybe they weren't little boys after all. <laughs> but um, he uh, he goes to the bar again near near his house, and that's where he meets Cass. Um, Cass is a local uh, hua, yeah, and uh, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> Great minds think alike. Yeah, but uh, I don't. I couldn't tell if she was trying to, if she was really interested in him, or if she was just trying to get money. But I mean, she follows him home. I got to be honest with you. What's that? Now I live in a small, small rural area, but our huas don't look like her. Not many huas look like her. Yeah. She um, and this is uh, Cass is, is played is played by uh, Ornella O R N E L L A M U T I. If anybody wants to look it up, um, she's gorgeous, man. Mm-hmm. But she's uh, damaged goods big t- big time, big time. And that and that's that's his end. That's usually his end with his women, it seems. But um, she uh, she needs to be. Uh, or at least she feels that way that she she needs to be hurt in some way, or and and she often does it to herself, which I guess is what the attraction is with him. Um, I mean he's a fucking wreck or whatever, and like like I said, I couldn't figure out if she just wanted if she actually wanted to bang him or if she was expecting him to pay. I couldn't tell. Well, I think it's just um, I don't know. I I, I think that. Um, the fact that he didn't treat her just like that, that uh, I think she was kind of, like I said, he, he was like the royalty. He was the king of the, of the skid row. And uh, I don't know. She, she yeah. seemed to be um, uh, rebelling or mut- <laughs> mutiny against her pimp. Yeah. And um, I think part, probably part of her, being a prostitute was just that self-destructive, uh, hurting herself kind of a right, thing. Right, right. Penance, maybe. And uh, well, yeah, I mean, you get it. You get the scene with her sticking that giant fucking uh, safety pin through both of her cheeks, um, and you know, the bartender's like, "I thought I told you not to do that." So apparently, she does it quite often, and it puts um, off I mean, the fucking customers because they're probably she, like, "Ah." Yeah, he sees her later on with this horrific scar, and um, and the other the other safety pin scene that I won't get into, yeah. but, um, the, she like, well, to describe her, I love the line that he gives, uh, when he's telling her how good looking she is or whatever. And he's like, she, you know, you think I'm pretty, he's like, pretty's not the word. Devastating is more like it, which is a great, <laughs> a great, a great line. But, um, I guess I should be probably disgusted at the, the way he treats 
women in general, but for some reason with his ex-wife, I would fucking laugh every time he would flip out on her. Yeah. She, she Well, they had like a weird relationship. Even yeah. though she they they had this violent relationship and everything, you could tell that she still wanted him around and still wanted to kind of boss him around and they still kind of acted like a married couple. Yeah, and he I mean <laughs> He like she throws his beer out the window at one point, and he follows her back across the hall to her room, and basically just like starts like shaking her and like, yeah, you owe me a fucking beer. And then she was like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" And he's like, "He's like, oh, you know, I'm just kidding or whatever, you know." (laughs) And and then later on, when he goes back, he takes Cass home, and um, they go into her place for whatever reason because he has to get his quote unquote medicine, whatever the fuck that is, and uh, he uh, and. They're just sitting there for a minute, and I th- she has his key or something. And but she just he just chokes her out and like give me the fucking key well, and she, like he it's just, he wasn't paying his rent, so she was the landlord. Oh, she yeah she she took kicked his, him she, out of his room, and then he was just kind of like you know, that's right. I'll that's just right. choke you like I used to. <laughs> yeah, I guess she liked it. Um, they all do. That's true. I mean, what the uh, the first night that they're together. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's, I guess, drunk enough where he can't fuck her. Well, I just, like, he was like, uh, she goes, are you going to fuck me? And he's like, I'll fuck you in the morning. Yeah. And he just puts on his aviator sunglasses and starts typing and she just goes to bed and boy, she, you know, she was eating that candy cane. She had like on just like these little like white footies. Yeah. uh, And, and, and then just gets like naked and fucking, oh God. God, <laughs> oh, I wish I was a drunk bum. <laughs> but the um, but then again, like I said, like you said, uh, if you saw the real woman that that was based on, yeah, yeah you, you probably wouldn't envy it too much. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, it leads to this almost surreal moment he's asleep. he falls asleep at his typewriter and she's standing he's got this crazy like poster right outside of his billboard right outside his window with a bull all you can see is the word bull on it and the bull's face but um it's it's it has these beads hanging in front of the window but this really and this is another touch of what i was talking about with this really feeling like a european movie but where he it almost seems like a hallucination but he's seeing her stand in front of this window the beads are kind of blowing in the wind and for some reason, she doesn't. She never wears pants when she's kind of being comfortable. She still has her top on, yeah. but she just likes her ass hanging out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's standing there, and I posted a screenshot of that with her standing there pantless, and he just looks at her, and then he goes and vomits. And <laughs> he goes and pukes first. That was in, uh, in fact, Totem. Lily Taylor was his, was like the Faye Dunaway character, mm-hmm. and they would wake up in the morning, and one of them would go in the bathroom and vomit. And then <laughs> he would get up in the bathroom and go vomit. Then when he was done, as soon he wouldn't brush his teeth or anything. He'd just go get uh. a jug of whiskey or whatever and just start drinking. And then she would get up, stagger in the bathroom and vomit. And Gross. so there was a lot of vomiting and fucking, and I bet <laughs> you they stunk. Oh, um, God. Well, she kissed him right on the mouth after yeah. he just fucking puked. But maybe if he only puked alcohol, she didn't really notice. Yeah. I mean, if he, if he just, just alcohol, alcohol and blood. Yeah. <laughs> that's not funny but it is oh man i'm um, telling you what if i would have saw her standing in front of that window like that i could i would take my dick and as i was walking towards her I, it would be like the hulk smashing the floor <laughs> in front of him because i'd just be like 
<laughs> be harder than fucking Chinese arithmetic. She, uh, I mean, and she she gives them right there at the door window. Jesus. I mean, she just she just like there's she doesn't even bother moving into the bed. She just turns right around and yeah. And he never, he never. You, you see his, you see his, uh, his chest a few times, but you don't really see him take off his clothes too much. He, he just, just a, fucks he, with his. I think he yeah, just he, unzipped his pants because he he had yeah. those mirror sunglasses, and he just well, he gets does, this grin while he's just fucking standing oh, behind his, her. Gazara's grin is so great. You yeah. see it so many times in this movie, there's close-ups of his face, and he's just like, yeah. He's like, this is what life is all about. Yeah, I'm fucked up, and I'm fucking this whore. I may be a bum, but I'm fucking this whore. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, there was a when he goes to see Tyrell originally, he's trying to find her because she gets away from him on the bus, and she's like, just walking a around. Little, uh, complex. Yeah, this little like these bungalows with a with a with a, a and you see a lot of these in these movies that take place in in Los Angeles, yeah. but they kind of have a little grassy common area or whatever. But um, well, he talks about it when he, when he first comes back to L.A. about how. Um, most people think that uh, this is the city of the stars and everything. That was a long time ago, and and it just basically talks about he he says you know p- most people's perspective of L.A. is that you know it's movie Hollywood stars, general, Hollywood, yeah. and all the stuff, and but it was run down and shitty, and uh, yeah, there's bums everywhere, and you know just dump. And that's the and that's the say. But that was home. He said he liked it. Yeah. <laughs> And that's where he grew up too. I mean, he, his his he was uh, his family was from Germany, but moved here in the like twenties or thirties, in the thirties, I guess. Yeah. And that's where they settled was Hollywood. And I guess this was after the initial, uh, you know, boom of the silent movies before yeah. it it took off in the forties again. But but before um, I interrupted you, you were getting ready to talk about him. The, the little bungalows he he got a tooth oh, right right he got lucky so yeah so he he goes in and uh before he finds Susan Tyrell and this this large woman in a house coat um awesome just, kong like, yeah awesome kong is just freaking out like <laughs> get out of here blah, blah 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 i can't afford to pay my rent and she's crying and he's like he's just staring at her letting her go on and on and uh he you know, obviously has nothing to do with collecting rent and he hands her a, a few bucks. And, yeah, hands her a few bucks, and uh, and she's like, "Oh, oh, she lives right across the thing." And then she just grabs him and like open mouth kisses him, and he smiles at her and walks out. But later on, I thought he was going back to find Tyrell, but he just goes and finds her again and gives her more money. And that scene is something else, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had a friend once. He had a dream to return to the womb. <laughs> oh, 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 I forgot about that. And with the headbutts, he I don't like, want to give that away. Boba that's worth Brazil <laughs> with the yeah. cocoa butt. <laughs> that's worth that. <laughs> that is worth experiencing, not knowing what's going to happen. I, I've never so. seen anything like that before. No, but I will say this: you know, um, she was large and lovely, but uh, number one, Tyrell might have been hotter, even though she was kind of gross and whatever. But this chick. Uh, she treated him good. She did. You know? She knew what she... I mean, he was there to give her some cash, and she cooked a good meal for him. Yeah, she liked to eat, and she... She, she, let, him, she let him do his weird shit. And, 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 and when her son came home from school... <laughs> she's like, here's the money. Go down to the pinball arcade. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, I, I, honest to God... There's some screen captures of him and her, and she's laying on the ca- or sitting on the couch with him in her uh, panties and bra. 
Oof, if that doesn't sell this movie for you, I don't know what the fuck you are. <laughs> American. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Come to me, my baby. Um, so gross. Uh, well, then, the, yeah, then the other scene uh, uh, with his ex-wife saying, you wouldn't believe... This full. This scene is just full of scenes. That, this movie is just full of scenes that just should be awkward yeah. and just end up... I guess they are, but you just... It, it, gives you, it keeps you glued to it. You wouldn't believe how he eats my pussy. And this weird, like, I thought he was gay. Awkward as guy. awesome. He probably was. She was just trying to make him jealous. Well, and then there's this other, uh, I mean, this the woman with the shaved head who's massaging his feet. Like, who the fuck was that? Yeah, and, and um, she looked like she was kind of a, like a... She might have been a little slow or something. Touched, yeah. yeah, in the yeah. head. And, and I thought that, I was like, oh my God, are they going to have a goddamn threesome? <laughs> I, who knows if they did, but uh, he he watches. Uh, she just sits there awkwardly on the bed while he bangs. What's her, again with his pants on? Doesn't take his clothes off. Uh, she just sits down on him with her dress up. Why well, waste hot. your time? <laughs> um. Uh, and then like that guy Mike that he knows, like, but she's my girl now. Like with like looking off to the side. Yeah, he, he was, was kind of weird too. Yeah. Um, you get his like story going to New York, the like sickening green cubicle building that he was in. Like I thought it was going to be something fancy, but it was just fucking disgusting. And I have worked a place like that. Yeah, um, function too well in that. Uh, no, but um, that was I mean, New York. That was New York. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, because they it was kind of like this thing where they just pay writers to come and like stay there and just type away. There were like, some was, like uh, it used to be. Uh, there were certain places that that would pay writers by the word, and that's like how L. Ron Hubbard and a lot of these um, pulp writers um, they would make money, and that's why they would fucking write these goddamn novels and shit, sci-fi novels and stuff like that that were goddamn. I, I mean, you know, three, four hundred, six hundred pages or twelve hundred pages or something. Because the more they wrote, the more they got paid. So uh, that's probably what. It, because you have to think, even though this this is supposed to be taking place in eighty, like nineteen eighty or late seventies, early eighty, early eighties, in real time, I would think that if this was Bukowski, it was probably like the sixties or something. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I, I, it is most Maybe likely the fifties. Yeah, yeah. Cause I think by the sixties he had had a, he had a house. Right. And stuff. And that was the stories with the, with the VW bug and all that. Yeah. I think by the sixties he had his own house that people would just kind of come and go from. But, uh, I think this is probably 50. It, this movie takes place in the, in the seventies or eighties, but this is, uh, I guess it has to. So I, mean, I, th- I think that that's probably what that was. It, it was they would write these pulp novels, and like whether it was, uh, you know, like Conan stories or you know right, right. secret agents or sci-fi or whatever, and and uh, and, and um, they would just churn them out and churn them out and churn them out. Right. Well, you you can continue here if you have anything else to add on this. I, I, the this is not really. I mean. It has a plot, but it's more about the performances right. and, the, and just the feeling of this guy's life at this certain time. And you have several times where, I mean, he is, uh, like you said, there there are so many um, odd and uncomfortable situations, uh, like toward the end with the with the young girl. Now, who the fuck knows how young she was supposed to be? The one with the shaved head, you mean? No, no, no. Uh, uh, 
show me your titties and I'll write a poem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she was very young. She must have really liked his poem because she showed a lot more than the titties. Yeah, and she had a fucking, I mean, you know, when they're, when, when a, a girl is, is, you know, young and everything's just blossoming and, and you know, tight and firm and blah, blah. But it was an odd and awkward situation. But he's, you know, you know, reciting this poetry that he's either writing on the spot or maybe it's something he has saved up for every chick that he fucks. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there are several times where, you know, he, they have Gazzara, you know, reading something like some uh, poetry that uh, Bukowski wrote and it's good. It really is good stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think that um, like Factotum and like uh, Barfly, the, the, um, the odd and absurd and scuzzy, scummy situations, uh, they, they add uh, definite um, humor to the movie, even though you know, you're sitting there going, oh my God. But that's one thing comparing this movie to where the Buffalo Rome, um, uh, even though... Uh, Bukowski is is um, the 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 each little segment that he's doing where where it's with um, Susan Tyrell or it's with the the large and lovely woman or with Cass or or his ex wife or whoever. Right. I found them way more amusing or interesting than where the Buffalo Roam because. I just felt like that one was, uh, like I said, it did. Le- it feels less real. He doesn't feel like this. Feels like a guy just fucking just drinking his life away. Right. This. It's this more does, somber. This and- does feel real. Where as I just think that it was just a with uh, with Thompson or the portrayal of Raul Duke and the in the other one, it's just kind of a a silly. It, it didn't have enough. Uh, the Gonzo shit just doesn't work for me. It just doesn't seem like re- something real that really happened. It, yeah. or, or if it was, it's just some guy acting like a fucking douchebag uh, to get attention or something. <laughs> um, but Gazara was excellent in this. And like you said, th- there's several times where he kind of has that shit-eating kind of just kind of a grin. Yeah. Uh, he does play the drunk guy really well, you know, um, um not just a stagger down stumble bum kind of a guy, but a functioning uh, drunk. And he, out of uh, you know, when it says tales of ordinary madness, out of out of the madness, I mean, he still has this uh, this gift. He still sees the world in a in a way that and, and can um, express. These things, he, you know, beauty that he's seeing in things that are, you know, in such a shithole. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just for for this movie, I, I'm trying to think how I found this um, because it's out of print, and I saw it. Um, I, I don't, I know it wasn't on. Um, it was not on cinema. Well. Uh, by other yes. means, it wasn't. Right. I, I can't remember how I saw it the first time, uh, but I I was like, man, this is 
fucking amazing. And or I, I know what it was. I I think I I was just looking up. Uh, I was looking up Barfly Factotum, and and I was like on Wikipedia looking up stuff about Bukowski and reading some bi- biographical stuff because I had watched Factotum and I saw you know that that this movie existed, and then I I I guarantee you I paid more for it than I probably should have, but I <laughs> but um, I got it on um, either Amazon or eBay. And probably paid you know twenty bucks or something like that for it, uh, but I've watched it several times, and this is one of those ones that um, I encourage like the people that listen to our show to watch this movie because this is one I'm glad that we covered it because this is one that I I kind of had an idea that this. Uh, and I don't know, maybe it's not, but I, uh, after watching it the first time, uh, that, uh, this is something that's right in the, uh, our, our, our wheelhouse oh, we are, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, of weird sleazy, uh, you know, I don't know what, but, uh, it, it's a hoot, man. I, yeah. I got a, I got a hell of a lot of laughs out of it. Uh, his relationships with women uh, alone are just, it's just amazing. Yeah. But anyway, that's a, we, we pretty much covered it and covered. I, I, I thank you for bringing this one up because I, I probably <laughs> never would have seen it. I, I thought this was really good and uh, I need to see Factotum. I haven't seen that. Factotum's either, so. good. Um, okay. Uh, Lily Taylor is excellent in it and uh, Matt Dillon. It's it's sort of the same thing with uh, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke did make himself look like shit, but he's still fucking Mickey Rourke. Matt Dillon, uh, you know, Matt Dillon's a good looking fucking guy. Yeah. But he. Um, yeah, you know, he he did a good job in that too. I mean, it's got some. It's the 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 humorous, drunk, violent, and is that pretty new? Factotum. It, I think it came out in the maybe early two thousands. Oh, okay. Maybe. So it's not like an eighties or seventies. I don't think eighties so. eighties movie. No, no, no. I think it's, it was after Barfly. Okay. Um. Yeah, two thousand five. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's pretty good. But like I said, when you watch that one, um, you'll see some. Uh, You'll see a few things that are are really recognizable from Barfly. Just a few, but yeah. but one thing I think it covers a lot more of like the post office stuff, and uh, because okay. in Barfly he he didn't really work at all, and in this one he works in uh, like pickle factory and in the post <laughs> office and, and shit like that, and, and it covers like uh, uh, his gambling stuff too. Okay. So, but it, it's definitely if if you like this one, it's a cool. it's a companion piece. And like you said, now I think you said you saw that the documentary about him. Yeah, the it's like a little over two hours long. Yeah. But that was the one with that that famous clip of him kicking his wife yeah, on the couch. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, I um, I um, I like that documentary. I, I out of both of these, I would say you know. Uh, definitely get uh, Gonzo, the documentary about Hunter S. Thompson. I think and, that's on Netflix. I think yeah. I saw it because I almost, I almost started it, and I was like, "Wait, I got to do the fucking show." <laughs> it's definitely worth a watch. I think that that um, documentary is probably better than all three of the Hunter S. Thompson movies because, like you said, with William S. Burroughs, it's it's a hard. Um, thing to capture 
right uh in a in in that format whereas when you're having talking not talking you know i guess talking heads but it's people that are friends and people that knew him talking about him plus there's a lot of footage of him like either being on david letterman and and interviews and with with actually with him uh and some of the stuff he was doing all the way back to when he was young that there's enough stuff out there that i think you just get a better feel for the guy and for mm-hmm. the stories and stuff cool um, this, uh, this, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I, I liked it better than Barfly. Um, I like the European f- feel to it, even though it's a very American thing uh-huh. story. Um, this was really good. Gazara's great. Uh, what's her face is fine, but she's super hot. Um, and, uh, the Tyrell scene almost, <laughs> almost stole it for me. Um, uh, this is, uh, this is an 8.5 for me. Yeah, I would, uh. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'd say an eight point five. I I'm glad I fucking found this, and yeah, it's it's weird how um, movies like this, which are really good, and I don't know if it got a wide release. I doubt it. Um, it was it would probably be something that if it if it does if go back into print or whatever like that, you'll see it on like uh, the indie channel or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a fucking good movie, and I I just happened to stumble across it, and cool. I think somebody awesome. did say they found it on. Yeah, somebody just bought it on Amazon for like eight bucks. Yeah. So maybe somebody, maybe there's some used copies floating around. Yeah. Either that, or maybe some somebody picked it up and decided to put it out again. I don't know. Let's see. There's the Kindle edition of Oh Tales of Ordinary Madness. It's not the, they don't have the whole title. Yeah, you can get it on. It might be still out of stock, but uh, Amazon has it. There's eight bucks used, or fifteen, sixteen bucks with Prime if you buy it new. So, Love is a Dog from Hell. I have that book. Anyway, uh, let's uh, let's take a break and come back and do a little feed sack and wrap it up because I have a guest. Somewhere. All right, we'll be right back. Hello, this is Kenny B. This is Tom KW. And we are two of the hosts from the Podcast on Fire Network. You want Asian cinema in a podcast? Well, we got the solution for you. Because at the Podcast on Fire Network, there's seven plus shows for you to choose from. You want Hong Kong action cinema and audio commentaries? We got that. You want dirty Hong Kong cinema? We got that. You want the eternal question, what's Korean cinema answer? We'll answer that. The flagship show Podcast on Fire covers classic Hong Kong cinema. Everything from Bruce Lee to Jackie Chan, John Woo and Jet Li. Featuring in-depth discussions with an aura of fun. This is your primary stop in the podcast world for classic Hong Kong cinema. So join me, Kenny B and Tom KW and a cast of thousands at podcastonfire.com also available on itunes on stitcher radio and come chat with us on the podcast on fire network facebook group and on twitter at podcast on fire podcast on fire network it's asian cinema in a podcast podcast Right, but I haven't yet. Why do my and devils end up in failure? I think I'll go. 
right. Feed sack time. I, uh, my dog has this, a couple Christmases ago, we bought him this uh, set of toys that look like a turkey dinner. It's like a, <laughs> it has a, a squeaky turkey and a baked potato and a corn on the cob and a roll. And um, the squeaking you probably heard while you were talking was him squeaking his corn on the cob. And I've been trying to throw it where... So he would leave the room, and I kept hitting the wall over and over again, and he would bring it back and That's kept squeaking. That's what I call uh, when I masturbate, squeaking my corn on the cob. Squeaking the corn. Um, and uh, I finally got the perfect shot straight out the door, all the way down the stairs, and he can't find it. So, uh, <laughs> so, so cool. He'll find it. He just hasn't gone downstairs yet. He thinks it's still in the room. All right. Uh, yeah, feed sack. Got a couple. Okay. Let me flip over here and open that and open this and play that. Hey, there we go. This is the what you know. Now, okay, you guys fucking does another two films like some Chinese guys, some fat Chinese guy, you know? <laughs> fucking, what are you gonna do another fucking sly episode? You know, it's been fucking. At least it's two weeks covered one of my films yeah. last, you know? Cherry Funk. Come on, keep it up. You know, you you guys are talking about his film. They had all the posters of Sly. That, yeah, Sly is an international, worldwide superstar. You know, all these fucking people want to be me. They <laughs> see my posters, they see my success, and they just want to be Sly, you know? <laughs> Even in China, you know? They fucking look at, up to me like the fucking... The greatest action movie star of all time. You know, they don't want to be me. So it's no surprise that they got all my posters on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's a short one this week. You know, I've not got much to say. But yeah, just cover some more of my movies. That's it. Ugh. Ugh. Thank you, Sly. Yeah, we'll have to do Paradise Alley. Maybe we'll do... We haven't done a couple wrestling movies in a while. We didn't do a lot at first. Maybe we should do. I've been wanting the Ed Asner one, the the wrestler. The wrestler, because you know what, baby, we do the one with uh, Terra Funk, and then we do one the egg sucking dog is in the the wrestler with Ed Asner. It's got superstar. Oh, that's a tough one. Superstar Billy Graham. Superstar. Uh, It's got (laughs) Dirty Dick Murdoch, the KKK legend. And tag team partner of the egg sucking dog Dusty Rhodes too. It could be maybe hey, it could be a Funk's double feature because Dory Funk Jr. is in that one. Oh, or we could just do a movie about George Clinton and Paradise Alley, and we could get the Funk in both of them. (laughs) Who wants the Funk? We do. Oh, the. Oh, Larry Hennig's in it too. Shall I hold my breath? I love I love Piper telling about his first match against Larry the Axe. That's pretty funny. It didn't last too long. No. Um, all right. Next feed sack. Something. I don't know. Hey guys, it's Scott calling from Toronto. Happy New Year. Hey. Happy New Year. Hey. Uh, what? I just wanted to uh, say what is up. Listen, your uh, top twenty first time watches show was just phenomenal. Just loved the hell out of it. Just great, great stuff. Um, was happy to have Loaf back, uh, but I, I gotta say, nice. Jake did a very nice job uh, filling in for him uh, for those weeks. I mean, uh, thank but you. Yeah, thank that you, top uh, t- top twenty show was great. I got a lot of things written down. I want to be checking out. Really, uh, officer and a gentleman. I may be the only person calling in about an officer and a gentleman. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's change. funny how that movie, even though you think it's not going to do it, somehow sucks you in and you actually care what happens to these people. Uh, really weird father-son relationship for Mr. <laughs> Gear as well. Uh, the only thing I really want to mention, though, is, um, yeah, I'm just an absolute mark for Deborah Winger. She just kills me. She was, yes, she was Wonder Girl, you know, Wonder Girl. And then uh, ever since then, I was Dead Man, Urban Cowboy. Whoa, watch out for that one when she's on that mechanical bolt. All right, um, that's it. Got to run. Talk to you soon. Uh, great work. Bye-bye. Urban Cowboy is a fucking great movie. Scott Glenn is the sleaziest of the sleaze. And I, I encourage you all to check out Married with Clickers. Yeah, do that. You will listen. You will like. Um, all right. One more. Feed sack. Baby's oh, on fire. What? It's going to be a long one. Oh. You motherfuckers. Oh, good. It's not stealing. It's not stealing. the Buffalo Room. You see... Uh, the day before I decided to listen to the last episode, which was the Chow Young Fat Magnificent Bastard, uh, you know, I was just perusing around Netflix and time what to watch, and I brought down the two that were in my queue, uh, Where the Buffalo Room and Wake and Fright. Uh, Wake and Fright run out, uh, one out, which was a great film. Uh, you know, I was thinking, hey, maybe tomorrow I'll check out Where the Buffalo Room. Well, then later that night, after listening to that episode, uh, you guys mentioned a couple Where the Buffalo Room, so I'm like, well, that's just serendipity. I have to watch it now, and I just finished checking it out, and I, I dug it. Um, it's, I guess, fitfully episodic for a, a film based on Hunter S. Thompson's exploits, semi-autobiographical. Uh, Bill Murray is just fantastic, or fantastic, as we like to say in this group, as Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, <laughs> Depp has done fine in the role. Um, I haven't seen The Run Diary yet, but I really feel that Murray uh, perfectly captured uh, the manic nature of Thompson. Uh, well, not really. I mean, I guess you could say there's Murray qualities to it, uh, just because of, you know the persona that Bill Murray has basically taken on. But I, I never really thought of him much as Bill Murray as I did Hunter S. Thompson. So major props on that point. Uh, I loved Peter Boyle's Lazlo, uh. another great actor who, again, just like Murray as Thompson, also looked at him more as Laszlo than instead of Peter Boyle. And made a lot of his fucking mustache. I mean, it's no Loaf-stache, <laughs> but, you know, it's fucking competition right there. I think Loaf probably seen that when he was a child and was inspired to someday Mine, grow. Mine's only dusted uh, with Parmesan cheese. A magnificent mustache is that, and, you know, loafing and the achiever, he just went, went the extra mile and uh, did it. But enough kissing ass here. Uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I didn't love it, uh, again, just because it was episodic and kind of went all over the place. He didn't love times. it! Exploits were really enjoyable, <laughs> and I just loved that finale. Love. And the, uh, the presidential campaign uh, playing, that was uh, really good. So, I'm not going to take up too much of the time. just want to say I dug it, and I uh, thought it was very serendipitous that uh, I was contemplating watching it, and then you guys were covering it. So I hope you dug it, and uh, I guess I'll give it a final rating, too. Uh, my skills would be, I'd average it out to five, maybe a 7.25, probably somewhere in that ballpark. Um, and I think there's one more thing I wanted to mention. Uh, was oh. I was thinking, when I, I somehow mixed this up with another Bill Murray film, and not mixed it up content-wise, I just mixed up the titles. I was thinking of The Razor's Edge, because I thought maybe that was the Hunter S. Thompson one. Uh, I think the only reason I did was because I don't know if at the time, I mean, Bill Murray was enough of a star. I don't know if, if we were in the Buffalo room, if they approached him, or I believe that he coerced, I kind of made a deal like, hey, I'll do this film uh, if you let me do, uh, you know, this film. I know he did that for The Razor's Edge, which I haven't seen, and according to um, IMDb here, 
this is the fucking synopsis. He had everything and wanted nothing. He learned that he had nothing and wanted everything. He saved their world and then it shattered. The path to enlightenment is as sharp and narrow as a razor's edge. Uh, I don't know what the fuck that means, but I'm kind of curious. He's playing a character by the name of Larry Darrell, Larry Darrell so obviously it's not Hunter S. Thompson. Um, a little cast. You got Catherine Hicks, James Keach. I thought that said uh, Stacy Keach a little bit more excited, but I'm okay with the Keach. Stacy uh, Keach's brother. Uh, Brian Doyle Murray, uh, Peter Vaughn. You know, it's got a hell of a fucking cast here, so uh, I'll check it out sometime. Um, looks like there's a better storyline down there, but I don't really care. I kind of like going with the mystery. But yeah, I kind of also really always appreciate that the actors, such as uh, Bill Murray, who you can tell, you know, they enjoyed and you know put themselves into the roles, such as you know the big blockbusters like Ghostbusters, Caddyshack, and that. I uh, but you can really tell with a film like this, and I'm hoping uh, when I get around to watching The Razor's Edge, which maybe sooner rather than later, um, you can really tell, especially with Boston Translation, well. They really just get into the roles, and you can tell it's a passion project. And I and I kind of had the feeling that was this year where he, uh, he really wanted to do this as opposed to being asked. I could be wrong. You can look it up now. I don't feel like it. Uh, I do feel. I think I read somewhere that he was kind of uh, working with the studio and trying to hard sell this. So really hope you guys dig it. Uh, dig it. Good <laughs> dig it. I didn't. I haven't seen that either. Actually, it's another, a, another Razor's Murray, Edge. I haven't, Razor's Edge. Yeah, that was his the, the first uh, uh, serious role that uh, he did, and he wanted to do a serious movie, and it went like, uh oh, uh oh. But then you know, much later on, you know, when he was making uh, was it uh, Broken Flowers? Broken flowers and, and, um, and- Lost in translation. Yeah, I like him and stuff like that, but uh, I want to see Rushmore again. I know it's not serious, uh, but I, I like see the that movie, movie too. All right, um, so that's it for feed sack. Um, so uh, we decided uh, the we want to do a couple of um, Harold Ramis movies next week. He did pass away this week. I think I don't know if we mentioned it while we were recording or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, we, um, you know, he died this week of uh, so, uh, an illness he'd had for quite a while, but he, uh, with a lot of people that would be in our circle here or involved in quite a few movies that we uh, hold near and dear. Um, so we're going to do a couple that Zom and I hold near and dear. Um, we're going we're gonna to cover Stripes from, and these are both oddly uh, also... Ivan Reitman directed Bill Murray starring uh, <laughs> movies, but um, we're going to do Stripes from 1981 with uh, with Ramis and Murray and uh, Warren Oates as Hulka, um, and then uh, John Candy and John Candy and uh, Dewey Oxenberg Souls or PJ what what would what, what PJ O'Rourke PJ Souls. Oh, and it has that that uh, the guy in it that was in um, he was just in Where the Buffalo Roam. He was in it too. He plays the guy with the big the or no, maybe I'm thinking of Caddyshack, the white helmet guy. White helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Caddyshack. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. The, the guy with the lisp yeah, is yeah. always an asshole. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we're gonna do Ghostbusters, a uh, movie I've been wanting to watch again for a long time. So um, I've been wanting to watch it. Magnificent so gonna... bastard, Ray Parker Jr. Yeah. Wait. Um, so yeah, more double double Ramus episode. A a, a, a post. A, uh, a, a a rest in peace uh, in memorandum is that the right word uh, in uh, memoriam whatever, <laughs> whatever. Uh, movie double feature kind of thing so you can always send us feed sack to two zero six three three nine sixteen hundred 
uh, or to silvagoldpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and our website at silvaandgold.com. And join our Facebook group and say nothing at all at facebook.com slash groups slash silver and gold. Yeah, you don't have to. Um, nobody else does. The uh, so yeah, that's it. That's all we got. Bert and Air. That's it. That's that's it. That's the show. We got nothing else. We, we got we got nothing. Um, until next week. Hey, that was the cricket sound. It's back. It's back. Uh oh, play the next one too. Yay! Until next week. <laughs> this is <laughs> Loaf Oot. Is um Oot. Bye bye. If you oh. see a little sign at the side of the road that says 16 miles to the last shack <laughs> on private Idaho.